What's up, y'all? Kofi Kingston here, and I would love to have a drink with Wrestling on the Rocks, depending on what that drink is. Preferably non-alcoholic, you know? How's it going? Tell me for your shame. Soda. I would love to have a drink with Wrestling on the Rocks. Maple syrup. Never have a drink with wrestling on the rocks. Welcome to the dive bar of the IWC. Welcome to Wrestling on the Rocks, episode one. Uh, again, I'm at Ref Marsh. We're at, uh, at WOTR, the show. Coming in, having a little bit of a happy hour with us over Chomp. We got Bishop and his terrible wrestling takes. Yeah, man. I started out I'm high energy. To see more than that. <laughs> no, I, I started out high energy and I gassed early. Like I shouldn't. I'm not. I wasn't here for a sprint and I thought I could do it, but you definitely tapped out. <laughs> I blew out quick, man. Quick. I was like, we're gonna start off hot and I'm gonna have all this energy, and I only had that exact amount to get through the first two sentences of energy yeah absolutely <laughs> <laughs> you're like clear as day no yeah no no i'm not even a no man good job you did great no no you yeah, fucked you, that one up yeah you piddled right out <laughs> you you blew it <laughs> no. i'm gonna pull up a little but yeah uh, i'm back i mean hey you know we we did so good the last three episodes and might as well start out all fucked up on this one so it's a good point. It's a nice reset, you know? Yeah. Can't make the people think you're ready for episode two. Uh, you got to stay consistent. That's what we've always <laughs> said. I'm pulling up to see if there's any uh, news because I really don't remember anything that was, like, significant. But, uh, but yeah, it's been also just really good to have you here for a few weeks. I know that you've been kind of off and on with your podcast at times. And I know that I've told you a few times that there's always an open stool here as our resident norm. Uh, and so it's been really cool that with uh, with Kev going through a bunch of personal stuff, getting a, getting a house and move in and all that, like that you've been able to step in and be a little more consistent. I know that I've heard from a few people how much they really like you. So it's always good to have you. What? What? Yeah. There's yes. there's friends of the show that actually like me on here that's the yes. first <laughs> sports beard likes you dude sports beard likes you and i keep trying to tell him like to he's just you're he's the being, only one <laughs> yeah i'm all like dude, you've been duped you're getting worked by bishop <laughs> no i appreciate it um you know there's always been mixed reviews of me on here but i tell you what i was listening to i think it was episode one from last thursday and to hear splinter fox trash aew makes me so happy wasn't it crazy because there was there was an episode one i'm not sure if you're familiar um about a year and a half ago where me and you stayed up way too late drinking way too much yeah. and it was just a bash splinter fox episode because uh, of how much he loved AEW and how much i told him it sucked i'm just yeah. glad he's on my side now he's come around yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty wild oh, too because i even said that uh after the sh after we got off the air like i turned turn everything off and i turned to producer and i was like man he says he doesn't even watch anymore like that 
he doesn't watch live at all and he used to be the one where it's like oh here you go i don't know why you guys don't watch i love it right and then in his defense he would say in all fairness he didn't believe it would last forever he thought it had a shelf life but he was enjoying so much of it for him to at this point be all like this is not even so there's always been a sect of us that have said this isn't what we signed up for this isn't what we were promised this isn't what we wanted and then there's been a larger sect if i'm being honest what i believe to be a larger sect of their main audience that was very forgiving of that fact and said oh you guys hang on to too much and oh shit changes but for the better when aew changes what they say they're gonna do it's for the better when wwe does it they're liars and crooks and you okay (laughs) i get it right totally fine to have that opinion so for the people who were saying yes it's nothing what they said it was going to be but i love everything that it's become for those people to start saying like this isn't even what it became like they're they're starting to be turned off by it and it's just kind of fascinating like i still think they have a core audience and i do enjoy i think more of it on average than i was previous on average because it used to be like a single match that i'd be okay that was cool now it's all like oh i like this guy i like this person over here so it's a little more but still such a mess that it's not like i don't always look forward to it by any means but there's usually little nuggets in there you can get out of it especially when you just like wrestling in general to be like you know what that was a fun time so yeah yeah totally but, crazy this last week yeah it's very possible that uh splinter fox would be a fan of the old bishop um i doubt it but you know crazier things have happened but no he specifically um, told me he was because that was uh his beef with uh someone else on the show was that they they would just get really mad at him and then started ignoring him and he said, mm. with you and me, at least, we're going to go back and forth with them because it is the conversation. It is the sports conversation. It is fuck it's your penguins. Conversation. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's fuck your penguins. My cowboys are the best. We're winning. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's why I definitely got to um, I definitely got to get back on track with my show because no matter what, on Terrible Wrestling Takes Podcast on all platforms, it still exists. It's not going anywhere. Um, at CW Takes Podcast on Twitter is that it, it literally it's always a conversation i really love now that major um wrestling podcasts are talking about the infrastructure of aew <laughs> and how that they lack accountability on their infrastructure and i had an entire episode that was about the billion dollars that tony khan always talked about having and the billion dollar infrastructure of what wwe had and that was just my argument the whole time it has nothing to do with the quality of wrestling or wrestlers if Wrestling sucks on WWE. They will use their infrastructure to make it better. Their training facilities, their teachers, mm-hmm. all those different aspects. Even if, perfect example is Jimmy Uso. Too many DUIs, what do we do? Let's team him up with Roman, put him as close as we can there to help write his ship so he's a proper performer, right? Yeah, and, and they moved his wife over to his show. It was like, let's keep right. the family tight. Let's keep the family helping each other. Like, And that's what the infrastructure can allow to help grow your performers and the quality of your show. Um, that's that's all I was ever saying. Um, there's there's incredible talent over there. Yeah. There's zero fucking infrastructure, and it's being exposed now. And I'm not saying that I was right. I mean, I'm not saying I was right. Yeah, some things, quote, go everyone... without being said. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but my, my point has always been, if, if I can say these words because I see it as my like out of like i look on the screen and this is what my eyes are telling me 
that I'm telling you it is a legit part of the conversation. I never tried to convince anybody that I was correct about it. Just trying to let you know that this is actually how I see it. So the discussion can be had. Yeah. Um, but you're you're not I will also tell you you are not correct if you think that they have great referees because you know, ever since the the Matt Hardy incident with Sammy Guevara, the the wrestling the, the referees have gone completely downhill. And um, I, I've heard several podcasts. Yours was the first one, and then uh, so many afterwards, giving Paul Turner credit uh, for what he did with Hangman. Yep. So I mean, maybe they are taking steps in the right direction. And if Paul Turner's getting so much praise for what he did, this could be a you know a nice latch on point for the rest of the referees to say, hey, if we step in and do the right thing, we will get positivity out of everything going on. And that's a high profile match that happened too. So, yeah, yeah. But. When you were saying that, I was about to let you finish so I could defend Paul Turner in that specific instance because that was one of those yeah. things where you could tell it was completely uh, devoid of any kind of input from the back. Paul Turner yeah. got involved because he's been around long enough and seen enough to know when something's truly gone wrong, and he was not going to allow someone to get hurt worse not while yeah. he was in there and because miss amanda james always defended him as what she believes to be the best referee on the thing and i said look it i'm not saying he's not i just haven't seen something that tells me that he is but seeing that moment i go maybe maybe some of these guys are very unlucky that he's not in the ring at the time because yeah. he he stepped in and between and you could see him talking to everybody in the ring he got medical in there immediately it was like this is it and he just flat out ended it the last yeah, time someone tried to end a match. That was my fuck. problem. Yeah. yeah, the Aubrey one, right? Yeah, the last time some yeah, Albie tried to end the match, the, they came the from the back. Yep. Yes. Made well, a whole the thing deal. about it. Yep. They came out and said, you don't stop matches, we do. And On pay-per-view. Like, On pay-per-view, they did that. It was insane. Yeah. They should, How do you... She... And that's... that's. I feel... I felt bad for her then. And, hey, we... You guys had major criticism of her. I haven't watched enough to even care to criticize again that she's become a character on TV as opposed to a referee. Maybe that was the turning point where she she was like, okay, they told me to be a character. I'm going to be a character instead of being a referee. Because that way she did the right thing. Yes. She Matt tried Hardy to do the right thing. the fucking scaffolding. Like Here's the other later. weird part. Not to get really into it. Not only was it on pay-per-view, it was in it pay-per-view with an empty arena. It. You know what I mean? So if you were ever going to stop no, a match where it wasn't, wasn't at the arena, yes, it was. No, it wasn't. It was their that own wasn't. people. There was no actual fans in it. It was their own fans. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. So if you were yeah. ever going yeah. to be able to do to stop a match where it didn't impact the ending, and it also didn't leave the fans not going home and feeling shorted, that was right. it. You had every reason to get out. It was crazy. Yeah, because they did. I. I the spot they did off that lighting rig or whatever was around people. So I, I always have the picture of it happening within, uh, around fans, but you're right. Um, yeah, I did. That was, I did an episode called, uh, all out on AEW because it happened at the all out pay-per-view. And I just, I was so disgusted yeah. that they allowed that to happen. Like I stopped watching the pay-per-view and did the episode. Cause yeah. like, I just, what, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. Um, but I do but agree before with, we get, with with Paul Turner stepping in the way he did, maybe that that at least gives a a light that the other referees can can look at to be like maybe it is okay to, to step. But man, and 
Tony and everyone being praised for that thing might give Tony a little bit more leniency or power towards the refs of like, hey, Paul did make the right call there and we have made bad calls in the past and been reamed for it. Maybe it's time to let some of these refs have some of that power back because they know. Right. You know? Right. So. But yeah, um, I wanted to say before we got too far into it, man, what's in your glass? I'm doing coffee. I got vodka. I ran out of Terramana, but I did put my Terramana bottle up here in my new my new setup. Nice. With my uh my boozes. This coffee over here. That's Baron Corbin's coffee. It's from Ignorant oh, nice. Gentleman. The Dark of Night Roast. It was really good. It was really good. What's it like twelve dollars a pound? Twenty dollars a pound? I don't know. It was a Christmas gift, so Oh nice. I'm sure you could find it online. And ignorantgentleman.com, I assume. Etsy. It was on Etsy? Yeah. I don't like the sound of that. <laughs> we got ourselves some bootleg coffee, it turns out. It explains the label. <laughs> hey, I got this awesome hat on Etsy. Your hat? Yeah, I was. You bought your merch. own bootleg merch? Someone bootlegged your trying, stuff and you went for it? I was trying to make bootleg merch for people to sell. Wow. You know what? I yeah. think if I found some of my own bootleg stuff, I might buy one or two, depending on this, the price. Dude, the greatest bootleg shirt turned into a real shirt of all time. You think more Bishop, so than the Bishop, KO? Go, go, go. Oh, that's um, a good one. Well, yeah, because they actually made this on the ramp. Oh, they KO made it live? his in the back. Yeah, yeah. When they, you you don't remember that when B team was a thing, they they started coloring their own shirt. They were on the they were on the ramp doing this with a sharpie. <laughs> no, of course I don't remember that much about the B team. B team was, was amazing. I was not into it, dude. Okay, so I was thinking about the B team because a lot of people are talking about them as well because they think Triple H is going to bring back everyone for no reason, but. When I thought about them, I did love them. I thought it was so entertaining. And then, do you remember the Deleter of Worlds when they had the championship match? Mm -hmm. And Bo Dallas did the impression of Bray Wyatt? Yeah. Okay. So that particular uh, artistry of professional wrestling, I think, is how Vince used Bray Wyatt wrong. Because he never... I felt like he never fit in with Matt Hardy. But the essence of Bray was enough to get me invested in the B team. Yeah. And what we're seeing out of Bray now, I don't think is ever going to be tampered with again, the way he was in the, the leader of worlds. I think, I think we're in for something spectacular. Yeah. I wish that, I don't feel like anyone who was involved in the actual creative of Bray. I don't think we'll ever get the full story. I think that's what I'm trying to say. Because I think that everyone involved is going to be so professional to begin with. They're going to be so fair to each other to begin with. Uh, and I think a lot of them will have just flat out moved on enough to where they go, yeah, it was really tough, but we got where we were going and we did what we did. I don't think we'll ever get... I would love to have been a fly on the wall during all the creative meetings that Bray had with Creative and Vince and to find out what was brought to the table, how it was changed, and when. 
and get that full story because his creative journey specifically is so fascinating to begin with yeah you know if we got what we got and it was heavily tampered with and filtered what the fuck was put in front of him and if what the fuck was put in front of him was so outrageous that you kind of go fuck yeah it needed to be edited at the same time (laughs) do you go did it need to be edited this way though like you know what i mean like the second guessing on all of it i think is going to be would be amazing to know i don't think we'll ever truly find out but i do wonder now there's no way triple h is saying triple h isn't going to tony con this shit you got 20 minutes just go do what you want to do you know what i mean right he's even said that he thinks he's absolutely one of the most brilliant creative minds in all of entertainment in general but that he can be a little a little bit of a wildfire you know that you gotta rein him in you gotta help direct it and stuff and i do think that i do think triple h is gonna do that and i wonder what we're gonna get i think that with i mean that's what people say about vince russo right he was best when vince was his editor vince Russo threw everything at McMahon right. and McMahon would throw a bunch away, keep onto some stuff, tune up other things that like any one guy on their own devices, it was not quite right. You know? So I, I think that there's going to be such a cool balance with triple H and breaks. I think that they both know that they want each other to look good here, you know? Yeah. And I think that's what we're seeing now anyway, is yeah. that, you know, they, they'll do a promo, but in the beginning of the night, you get that flash of things. And then later in the night, you get another flash of things. Yeah. I think you're right about the, there, I do think there's an aspect of, you know, all right, you have four minutes in this slot. Give me your best four minutes. Okay. What do you need to connect the dots to the next level? Mm -hmm. Okay. I can put that here. I can put that there, you know, I, I do think it's it's better. One thing that uh, I was thinking about when you were talking about uh, the the creative restraints before is the um, the WrestleMania match against Randy Orton. I remember Bray being on Radio Row, and I was obsessed with Bray Wyatt interviews back then. And he said he said I don't want anyone to follow us, and that match is regarded as a huge disappointment. I'm wondering if. I want to know what he has to say about that match. Like if he deconstructed it back, is it the camera angles that fucked it? Is it the 3d projections didn't come off the way they were supposed to, you know? Um, Because conceptually it was done so different than any other match we've seen before. Or was the match four years ahead of its time, you know? So I'd love to hear the story about that one. I think that I do wonder what the initial everything was if the compromise became we're going to project this stuff down on the canvas and we'll just take a aerial shot and that's the effects you're going to get what did he want to do before then what were the ideas and how you'd even get that done and if that was the compromise then i would say that would be the compromise that destroyed it i do think that the projections on the map did not connect in yeah. in the stadium and only so, like there was zero connection in stadium there was a little connection on TV, but there was no wide connection of like, this is cool and doing a thing. I remember when we first saw the first projection, we being at home. Oh, wait, which one was that? 30? Yes. I was at home. 32, I think. Yeah, yeah. 32. It was Orlando. 33. 30, 33. 33, because that's where Bailey had her first win in a, uh, her first WrestleMania and win, and she retained, and that was all very uh, peculiar. And uh, Naomi regained her title there too. Yeah. Uh, but 
yeah, I I remember watching it and just being like, oh, that's neat. But I didn't go, oh, shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, that's kind of neat. And then they did another one. I was like, what? Is, is that a bug or what those worms or something? Like, it was. Yeah. What the fuck's going yeah. on? You know? And I so. think it was during the daylight, too. I, I, I don't think their match went. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think that match went off when it was dark out. So, yeah, I wonder – I, I want to hear the story about that because I, I do think it was creative. It just – like you like you said, you're trying to, like, figure it out on the fly, and it just wasn't wasn't him. Yeah. I don't know. It's crazy. But Bray's amazing. He's genius, and it's clear all the time because – I mean, we talked about it when he left. I was like, we may never see Bray wrestle again. Like, if he's going to tap into his brain and can go a little unhinged and – make movies that end up on Tubi and stuff like why wouldn't he do that like look you don't have to be the next Rob Zombie you know what I mean like you don't have to go straight to that level to build yourself to that level like like I'm saying like he doesn't have to be the CM Punk of horror movies where he goes out there and gets his ass kicked twice on such a large platform (laughs) that he can't ever come back you know what I mean you can start the way you're supposed to start and not just say my name means more than my product you know which right. has been CM Punk's MO his entire career. But uh, oh, I was going to ask something about Bray. So oh, I do wonder that, this. I am, oh, I'm drinking vodka as well. I have it with Gatorade. But, vodka Gatorade. Uh, oh, what kind of yeah. Gatorade is it? Lemon lime? Uh, lemon lime. Lemon lime. Yeah. yeah. Classic. That is classic yeah. vintage. That's the original flavor, isn't it not? I believe so. I believe oh. so. That is yep. OG. Yep. OG. OGG. Ogg, yeah. that's like a UGG. It's you're it's drinking CS, UGGs, though. dude. I I'm drinking OGGZS zero sugar, zero sugar. Um, you know, I did see there was some zero sugar Gatorades out there, and it got me pretty like excited. What's the carb rate on it? What's the carbs on it? I think it's I think it's like a half a carb for the whole thing. But yeah. I do the packets. I do the packets. I make my own because I those are the ones I saw. Models. Yeah, those are the ones I saw. I've been using the it's zero like sugar Sonic ones. Packet, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i thought about getting them do they taste like the real deal uh a little too extra on the fake sugar but mm. the flavor is there all right but you get that aftertaste you know oh, the fake sugar. interesting yeah. all, right. all right but with vodka even better so. yeah that that balances it out yeah. yeah 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 i've said that about a lot of things i've been saying that since high school vodka balances it out <laughs> Do you think, I mean, we'll get into the shows here in a minute because I don't have any news, but a uh, quick shout out because you said it, uh, you said his name at least. It was yesterday, Triple H's birthday. So happy birthday, Papa H. Um, Another one. Yeah. Fucking so crazy when you think about where we're at now. And like DX running everything the way they are is so interesting. In and of itself, it's just fascinating. I've seen yeah. some people say that, like, can we admit now that Triple H being in charge is almost not at all different than when Vince was? And I was like, it's way different if you're watching. But if you just click in once every three months and click out, yeah, you probably wouldn't see a difference. But if you watch it and pay yeah. attention, you'll see, you see a ton of differences. I think I think the show structure of SmackDown is one of the biggest ones. Mm-hmm. I think they... they like I, I rewatched SmackDown yesterday, and I go, this show's insane. Yeah. And I, don't, I really don't think anything happened. And we'll talk about it, but like, it just, boom, it flew by like that. And it's just, yeah, there's there's something different. Yeah. Yeah. It feels different. 
and everything about a lot of the decisions that are being made feels different. They feel like they come from a different source. You know what I mean? Like sometimes it doesn't even feel like it's coming from Triple H. Sometimes it feels like somebody gave that to Triple H and he's running with it. You know what I mean? Where almost everything well, I think that that's, you... Go ahead. I think that's because us as a fan base have streamlined our thought process to black and gold is what Triple H wrestling looks like. Uh, and we, I don't think we know the broad scope of Triple H's mind. It's like when everyone was told that Paul Heyman took over SmackDown and, oh my God, SmackDown's awesome. Look what Paul Heyman's doing. Well, you know, like Vince McMahon still ran SmackDown, right? Like, yeah. it's not, you know, so we get conditioned by who we think these people are. There's a yes. chance that this is just, um, you know, Triple H using more toys. Yeah. More tools in the toolbox. And I even said it when, uh, when he first came over, because a lot of people were saying like, oh, we're going to get like a black and gold era of this. And oh, NXT is going to go back to the way that it was and all this stuff. And I was like, or Triple H might be really smart instead right. and leave some <laughs> right. things in place and grow and do things multiple ways. Yeah. What but, was it? SummerSlam? People are like, oh, that reminded me of black and gold NXT. Rewatch SummerSlam. It's not an NXT takeover nope. at all. <laughs> no, it's a lot like the SummerSlam before. It was a lot yes, like the Vegas actually, SummerSlam extremely close to the Vegas SummerSlam. It's it real close. Uh, it really might be damn near identical to the beat Vegas for beat, man. I get it's the two mixed funny. up sometimes. It's pretty close. <laughs> and you were at one of them. I was at one of them. And I think sometimes I go, was I at Nashville? I wasn't in Nashville, was I? Did I make it? Was I indoors? Was I outdoors? Was it cold? Did the, did the credit card machines work? I'm not sure. Yeah. Ooh, what the fuck? Where was I? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So it's funny. Uh before we get into the show show of SmackDown, I do want to ask you, because I went to ask you before, do you think Bray showing up in WWE was a statement in and of itself? Because I've kind of toyed with this in my mind a little bit. There's no way that Tony Khan never reached out to Bray at all. There's just no way. I mean, we know that they actually met. We know that they did talk the way that tony talks about it was that it was a lot less business and it was at somebody's birthday party and it was the first time he ever talked but there's no way that that didn't say hey we're here at a party we're gonna be enjoying this but here's my number give me a call when you want to sit down and talk some business you know what i mean there's no way that 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 wasn't broached at all there's just no way right do you think bray never going to aew because he was gone for 18 months man a year and a half. The longest non-compete that we've ever heard of was Renee Young having a one year. So even if he was on some crazy non-compete where we're like, look, we really just don't want to put you on TV. Because the other thing is they pay you through your non-competes, which is crazy. So there's no way they're going to pay him for a year to sit at home unless they really are. And maybe they were. Maybe that was their game all along. Maybe this the whole thing's been in the bag and been working on. Because maybe it was all like, oh, yeah, no, I'm just home. They've put me on a non-compete for a year because we're going to renegotiate at the end of my at the end of this contract. You know what I mean? Like, maybe that was the whole thing. Would be a total shock. But do you think that Bray coming back to WWE and not going to AEW was in and of itself a statement? Because we've always talked about how much creative freedom he needs and would want and... I'm trying to think of what friends we know he has in AEW. And I, I mean, apart from apart from some of the obvious people he would know, I don't think any of us really know who he was like close to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I think. OK, so I'm trying to figure out. 
if it is a statement, what statement is it, right? Yeah. Um, I think the biggest statement it would make is that the lore of AEW where the talent gets to do what they want is just not true. Yes. Right? Talent does not get to do what they want because if they could, then Bray Wyatt sitting in the production truck going, this is how I need everything parsed out completely. You know, angles this way, all that stuff. Kind of like we were talking about the WrestleMania match. So if it makes a statement, that statement won. I do think, though, the one thing that's not being talked about, if it is making a statement, is the creative direction in which Triple H is going to take it. Mm-hmm. He's, he's not iron fisting this the way we all presumed Vince McMahon was. He is doing kind of what we've said uh, at the beginning of all of this when I came on, I think it was episode one, that every piece of talent now feels comfortable because they've been given enough rope. Mm-hmm. And they when their rope is done, that's when you hang yourself. Like they, you are allowed to go out there and you have enough rope. So if anything, that's probably the biggest note is that we don't know Bray. We don't know Triple H. We don't know how things are run. If we put all the pieces together, though, this, the statement that would be made is that Bray is the type of talent that they will give any and all creative latitude to become the wrestler they want to be, the performer they want to be. For instance, I don't think Strowman gets the same latitude, but is more confident with the consistent paycheck and creative direction of WWE as opposed to an AEW. But Strowman's not fucking important right now. And his his character work in wrestling is not good. Counter argument with Braun, it's not probably that he's not given as much rope. He doesn't ask for as much rope. Doesn't require? Yeah, he just doesn't need it. Okay. He he, okay. he prefers the collaboration and the direction. Where so Bray that's, prefers that's what less. I'm curious. That's what I'm curious about this. You know, if it makes a statement because I'm, I'm I want to give an honest answer because I I do think it is like the biggest fuck you to AEW, right? But I, I think, the, think there's a little bit of a fuck you. But I don't think it's I don't. That's why I think the statement is AEW isn't openly creative the way WWE could. Maybe it's because WWE has a billion dollar infrastructure and AEW just has a billion dollars and they don't have an open pocketbook for Bray to be able to do this stuff, but the stuff he needs already exists within WWE. So if Bray wanted to create the the Wyndham Six uh TV show streaming on Peacock this week and he's got 30 minute episodes, you know, every week for the next 12 weeks, that can happen because WWE has an infrastructure. You know what I mean? So like it, it, the statement being made that like AEW is just too young to handle a talent as good as Bray Wyatt, who is creatively outside the ring. He doesn't need to wrestle. I, that's another thing I wanted to say when we get all that stuff. Bray Wyatt doesn't need to wrestle. He doesn't need to step in the ring at all, ever again. And he will captivate us because we don't care if he wrestles again. We just want to see what he's going to do. So I think that's probably the biggest statement they make is that WWE is the place to harness creativity and AEW isn't. Yes, I think in one aspect, a massive thing here is if you really are passionately creative and have ideas, that this is the platform for that. I think the other thing that's kind of secondary, but on a similar note, is 
the reason why I think it's important that it's Bray is if of all people, Bray Wyatt trusts the WWE with his character more so than AEW, that's massive. Because, I mean, even, shout him out here before, Sam Roberts, not Sam Wrestling Podcast, he did a whole episode when Bray was released about Bray's career. You can find it on his YouTube. Some fantastic editing done on that one. And part of that story was every time the WWE caught fire with Bray and dropped the ball and how Bray caught fire again, like all the way to the point where he literally set him on fire. But if he can see that after a dozen attempts and failures because of the of the WWE creative and if he truly believes that his vision would have worked had it been done differently. And if everyone around him believes too, and I believe personally that they would have worked if they allowed it to be what it was meant to be. It's a huge statement to say, I'm more willing to give WWE 15 chances than I am willing to give AEW one. And I think it's kind of like you said, the idea that, Hey, AEW might not be the creative oasis that everyone's trying to say that it is, there's a lot more to it that's going on back there and a lot more like I can't imagine he did it strictly because well the production's pretty good you know what I mean right right no absolutely I, and I think I do think you're right I think it's it, it is about well no you know what I don't think it's about WWE getting a 15th chance I think it's trusting Triple H over what Vince would have given him because honestly, no, I don't think he was... I, that narrative, is Bray ever going to come back, was under Vince and what has happened to his character from there. I think him and Triple H had an honest conversation and this is what he got, that creative latitude to be able to be himself and thread his character and his work however need be. I don't think... Because you take a mind like Triple H that we presume is more of the times because even his, all this DX stuff, they were too old to be acting that way, but mm. they were of the times. They were of the late nineties. They were of, you know, the early two thousands. So being able to be of today in your perception of the character and allow a person of today to think about their thing. That's what I think it's more about. I don't think it has anything to do with WWE as a whole. Cause I don't, we, we talked about it. Bray can find a platform in Hollywood to tell his story. He doesn't need WWE to tell a story. I think he is that creative enough. So I do think this is more of a trust in Triple H opposed to a trust in Tony Khan. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be a bigger statement if he came back while Vince was there. But because Absolutely. Vince is gone. That's that, yes. That's mm-hmm. the, that would have been a major statement if he came back for Vince. But I, I, don't, I, I do think Vince being gone would lead, you, lead the assumption that it was an honest conversation with Triple H. I agree. I agree. Do you think that they would have ever gotten to a place, uh, let's say Vince never left? Do you think that um, Bray would have ever gotten to a place where he would have gone and tried AEW? Because I think that if he would have, he would have already. It's tough. It's tough. I think he's smart enough to see the writing on the wall that if maybe there was a possibility for him to return with Vince in charge that he could accomplish what he wanted to. I don't necessarily know if, because myself and other podcasts out there, have not been so kind to the let's say after effects of John Huber's passing mm-hmm. and AEW and kind of how they've displayed things we'll say um 
I didn't know John Huber, I don't know Bray Wyatt, uh, but if that was a friend of mine, I would think it was a little disingenuous how all of that looked. So mm-hmm. I don't know if he would have gone thinking that he was he would be in the best care anyway. So That's what I was wondering too, how many things can you that are truly like creative? There's a lot of creative that happens, right? How many things in AEW that are truly like out of the box creative that have worked? You know what I mean? And look, I'm not a, I'm not a I'm not a creative person. Like my son's a creative. The way he thinks, I'm I'm too analytical, tactile, and and functional. And he is all up here, and we get arguments all the time because I can't see what he's saying, right? Mm-hmm. And and then it takes me a while to get there. I would assume that someone like Bray, let's say he's building this major story leading to a pay-per-view in AEW. And then the anniversary of John Huber's passing comes up. They're going to want to pull Bray out of that character to come out in the middle of the ring to do the celebration. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but in a creative concept, that's not something Bray does. Mm. He sticks with his story he's telling until the bitter end. So... Yeah that kind of too much reality in AEW, I don't think ever would have existed on a plane that, that Bray functions on. That's true. And even when like the closest thing I can think of in a similar, but very different way was um, when Ric Flair retired and had that speech on raw, they waited for after the cameras to cut for undertaker to come out and give his respects. But he did it in character, did the intro, did the knee and then slowly walked back to the back to, show the respect there but hey it can't be televised it can't Stone be on cold here. And Owen Hart. yeah when when owen hart passed everyone gave their their emotional and everything and and stone cold today will tell you how close him and owen were and the respect they had for each other and he'll tell you all kinds of owen stories you absolutely love the guy and all that shit but the night after he passed in the ring the last 30 seconds of that raw is the glass breaking stone cold coming out grabbing two beers, smacking them together, drinking them and walking out because yep. he couldn't break the character to show the respects. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think I don't, he points I, upwards, I, but I think that's it. Yeah. But yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. 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 So that's that kind of thing in AEW. They don't hold, they don't hold sacred. It's too many. And, and look again, if you guys love it, you love it, whatever, but it's too many individuals wrestling. It's not character work. It's not creative mm-hmm. freedom yeah and for right or wrong right so i mean that was definitely a different era and the kayfabe when you say nowadays we're much smarter we're much more accepting we're much more forgiving but there's a massive part of bray that is one of the true final kayfabe guys like he still holds a lot of that uh true to him and his character like we talked about it last week i think it was episode one where uh he cuts that promo and we're like, was he in character? Or was he not? And you're like, I thought he was till I realized he wasn't, you know right. what I mean? And it's like, <laughs> and then you see this SmackDown and, uh, he cuts his promo here in the back. And he goes, Hey, I didn't get to finish what I was saying. And he goes, this is what I was saying. And you go, Oh, that was absolutely a setup yeah. for this. Yeah. Like, but it was like you said, that blurred line where he, I do feel like he was genuine in how he felt, but he wasn't out of character right you know right he's so so brilliant man he's incredible and the show did start off uh smackdown uh the show being with a bray wyatt vignette 
you know, his return. He's going to be talking. We're getting more stuff. Uh, and it does start out, though, with um, the brawling brutes going to the ring because Seamus is going to fight Solo Sokoa. And then that match happened. Yeah, like, like 10 more times, right? Can we get that 10 more times? <laughs> yeah, Seamus is so fucking good. Like, I'm not trying to take away from anything anybody else did there, but, like, Seamus, every time he goes out there, he just absolutely crushes it on such a high level. Like, he is so fucking good. Like, I get really annoyed at this point when I hear people be like, I don't know, Seamus doesn't do it for me. I don't know, Seamus is pretty boring. And I'm all like, you're not watching. Right. You're like, what are you talking about? Like, or people just being like, yeah, I don't get the whole Seamus thing when he comes on. I don't even watch. I was like, that's why you don't get it. That's why you don't get it. That's all there is to it. When I so. when I first got back into it, um, Seamus got thrown through a table. It was either I think it was before Survivor Series or whatever to go film Ninja Turtles or whatever. Mm. So I was like, all right, well, I guess I don't get to watch Seamus. Whatever, he looks fucking dumb anyway. And then he comes back, and it's the respect the hawk, or it's the Seamus five fifteen. Yeah. Like I got to watch all of that, and over the last seven years, what has he done? besides reinvent himself maintain being himself but from yeah. the the brawling brutes to the bar to everything man he just fuck he's he's so easy to like and yeah. he's incredibly talented and athletic for a guy in his mid 40s it's or i'm sorry early to mid 40s so i think he's 43 pushing 44 but um fuck man I love him. I, I and look, we met on an elevator. I didn't ask him for an autograph or a picture because he was eating a TV dinner, and it was one o'clock in the morning. So I'm yeah. a mark, but I'm not an asshole. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, had a great conversation with him, and he's just he's just loves performing for us. So shut the fuck up and watch him. Yeah, he's putting it all out there. He was one of the guys who nearly lost his career, and people don't talk about that enough. He, yeah. there was a year or two he was gone. And it wasn't because he needed time off because of you filming. It wasn't because of a family thing. It was because he had such a terrible injury that they didn't think he'd ever be able to wrestle again. And so they quietly send him home to rehab and see what he can do. And was there was a up until his return, it was always always the conversation of will he ever wrestle again. So I mean, I talked to him one time too, and that was one of the things that he kind of brings up is like, "Hey, this was almost all gone. Like, I don't. Every match might be my last match." He goes, "I can't go out there with any other mentality than that." He goes, "It's just because it's the reality of it. So I'm not going to go out there and call it in, you know." And it's just like, "Fuck, dude! Like, some people would definitely call in their last match." <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then so the after I mean the match itself was amazing everything going on with Sammy the Usos solo is perfection uh, they take Sheamus and they put his arm up in that chair they do kind of a concerto style smashing of the arm on the stairs with two chairs it was a lot but yeah. it looked fucking great and brutal I don't know why I don't know why they did that to Sheamus just in the in the non-kayfabe sense. I wonder if he does have an injury he needs to nurse. But if so, that match was fucking crazy good. I wonder if he is going to go film something. That'd be cool. Uh, so I don't know what it is that... But I, but I will say that I don't understand how he could come back from that soon. <laughs> like, right. He's going to need well, to be I gone for a while. 
Yeah, I saw a reputable Twitter account that I trust um, retweet something from somebody I don't trust mm. saying, oh, I didn't know Seamus was getting married. Congratulations. So maybe that's what's happening. Um, but some dirt sheet is reporting reasons why Seamus isn't on TV. But what I do like about Seamus getting written off TV is that it happened with the bloodline. Yes. So when he comes back, his beef is with the bloodline. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, please. The Brutes and the Bloodline is going to be so good. You know, you, you know, I don't fantasy book, right? I don't fantasy book. Yeah. But we have the Usos. We have Solo. We have Sammy. And we have Roman. Okay. All I've been thinking is who is the sixth member that they can get, right? For so they can go against... No, the sixth member for the bloodline to get to go against the Brutes and Imperium and have a six on six. I want Imperium and the Brutes to team up to take on the bloodline six, but I don't know who the sixth one is. And it needs to happen and it needs to happen now. But in that's all games. my mind. What's that? You can do it in war games for sure. Yeah, but you need the sixth one from the bloodline. We need a sixth one. That's all I've been thinking about since I saw the chair shot. I'm like, we need the sixth bloodline member. To put Imperium and and uh, uh, the Brutes together because you can't have that without Sheamus. Sheamus has to be in there. Yeah, and Sheamus and Gunther teaming together with the lackeys behind him. Like, let's fucking go. Now, since you've already started it, let's do it. What I would do, because you can, is you wait till right before or maybe day of. Don't you worry about our sixth member. We've got our sixth member. Boom, the debut of Jacob Fatu. The introduction of Jacob Fatu in a War Games match against Imperium, the Brutes, alongside the Bloodline, that would make him, dude. As long as he's able to do the... Plus, if you've seen some of the crazy shit he's done in MLW, uh, I forget who he had the match with, the cage match, but he's willing to do the flip right off of it. Like, he'll moonsault off that son of a bitch. Yeah, he'll moonsault off that bitch like a motherfucker. Hell yeah. Yeah. If he came out, was himself, was a wild maniac was almost like a solo but bigger then you think to yourself you we have two of these motherfuckers now and if he does a moonsault <laughs> off the top onto some big guys like a Seamus and a Gunther right whew, that would make him do yeah. people would already be like where's the action figure right right I mean that's the obvious but it's not yeah. gonna happen I just listened to Court Bauer on an interview uh, yesterday I think it was and he's uh he's all in on keeping his guys so who knows? Uh, last who knows? I heard about Jacob is he had not re-signed with MLW that he was allowing really? him to be more of a, a date by date case. Allow me to put my keys into the microphone. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was my last understanding. Uh, but apart from that, let's say you want to keep it in house. Uh, I don't know that there is somebody else who fits the bloodline necessarily, except for the fact that you could always for the fun of it, get Kevin Owens to team up with Sammy, you know, yeah. and be the sixth member in that. And you could even have some tension with Kevin and the rest of the bloodline during that match. But Hey, and then Sammy's like, I'm on behalf of him. Let me just say he's fine. Like he'll be good on this. Like, you know, you have right. the Sammy as the intermediary, <laughs> right. you know, right. you could well, always do something like that. That's what I was thinking too. And again, that's me not giving triple H enough credit because he's been doing that already. Right. Where he mm-hmm. takes, 
like we talked about it last week, I think on episode one where he takes Ali and he puts him in next to Matt Riddle just to get him next to Seth Rollins later. You know, yeah. being able to thread things around like that, he can easily bring in KO. They can win the fucking war games with KO while sowing dissension in Sami Zayn and the bloodline because KO is there. Um, they have that ability in storytelling, which would be great. So. Yes. Yep, yep. Yeah, oh, man, you know what? Now I got it. I got you're right. It goes it goes like this. Uh the Brawling Brutes and Imperium are ready to take on the Bloodline and then Sami Zayn gets way too hype on guys, guys, guys. I have the perfect six member. Don't worry about this. I got you, Oos. Let me go get this. I'll get this done. I'll bring it back and he just he doesn't shut the fuck up and he goes and finds the next honorary Oos to bring into the group. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you could even Absolutely. see him hand an honorary ooze shirt to KO, who looks at right. it and like goes, "No, because right. it has your initials on it, man. This is right." You know, <laughs> yeah, what if Sammy that. showed up with a little, a little KO duct tape right here to yeah. go over top of a little tiny bit of SC. duct tape? Yeah, <laughs> oh, would be great. Storytelling—that's what we do here. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. So then we do have uh, some, I mean, so all that was awesome. Like you said, the idea that Shane is going to come back for bloodline is great. Um, and if he is getting married, congratulations. Uh, let's see. Ray Mysterio was runs into the Imperium. Uh, Bray Wyatt. Okay. So this is where the Bray Wyatt promo happens. And he basically says like, you guys found me, you know what I mean? If you tie it into the last one, you guys found me. I left all these breadcrumbs. You always found me all these, every little thing I ever left, you guys found me. And then in this, it's all like, which is going to be a problem because you found the true me who is going to destroy everyone and have no regrets about it. Like where before it was like, oh my God, he's super baby face. Now you're like, oh, he's a beast. You know, right. even when he's good, he's bad. I still think people are going to cheer him because, hey, as the fiend, a murderous clown, he stalked and hunted Miz's children and was still the baby face. <laughs> there, he, but go ahead. He he did no wrong. No, and it's because it's good. That's the that's my issue, <laughs> and it's. Like he, even if he fucks up, it's like when he, when he got lit on fire, we weren't like, oh man, like how are you going to light him up? The story went to him getting lit on fire. And I remember me and you, cause we did WrestleMania watch along for that. We're like, but how is he going to come back from being lit on fire? Mm-hmm. You know? And then the metamorphosis of the shedding of the skin and all this, like, the beauty and how he tells these fucking stories is like this is so fucking good i don't care what happens and that's just that's how it is and we're going to he's not a cheer the baby face boo the heel he is this is the story and take it and maybe that's why it was so hard that uh wrestlemania the other wrestlemania match with randy orton that the story didn't hit when since the fiend and funhouse the stories hit the whole time he can do whatever the fuck he wants. You know, it just tell us the story, man. Tell us you know the story. We'll about... just go, you know what? That fucking story was awesome. You know what's weird about the Randy and Bray story when you really break it down, like different from all the other Bray stories? Is it was almost just two basic wrestling story. It was 
we're going to beat this guy down. He joins us because he can't beat us. He turns his back on us. We're surprised. He says, yeah, if you can't beat him, join him, but I'll get to your weakness. And then he takes the title off of the bad guy and walks away. It's very 101 wrestling right. story. You know what I mean? When you're outnumbered. Right. Uh, did I wonder if for us as fans, it was hard to digest because it's all like, no, no, no. We're used to way more complex, deep rooted stuff coming out of these two guys specifically <laughs> for these two guys specifically to have a basic storyline is very weird. You well, know? that's why the beginning, the beginning of what they did with the fiend was fucking amazing. How, yes. how Randy Orton kept like turning darker, turning darker, turning darker. And, um, he had that fucking promo within the TV and shit where he's looking at himself talking and all that stuff. Like mm-hmm. they did some incredible stuff with the possession and and that's why he had to light the fiend on fire and they rushed the WrestleMania match that time. So, you know, that's again, the point of coming back now is being able to tell this long winded story where um, to your point, I love you guys. Thank you for bringing me back. I'm so glad I'm here. It's amazing to be on this stage. The Wyndham voice right mm-hmm. into the fiend of it all so to speak yeah that i'm just a servant now i go where the circle remember, takes me remember i wasn't a good guy when i left i was a murder clown when i left like that's what he basically yeah. told us like hey you guys wanted me back just remember i was out for souls man <laughs> yeah. i created i created a void to put john cena in so we never saw him again like this is yeah remember what i did you no, you don't remember okay this is what i did and now i'm following the circle to get there so yep. it's yeah he's the best he's the absolute best my i'm a little confused by the i go where the circle takes me just as a line in and of itself because the circle takes you nowhere it's a circle there's no beginning there's no end right you're going nowhere right. forever. It's not like circling the drain. It's just a circle, right? Then I started thinking about it. If it's a little red circle, maybe Ray Wyatt's just part cat and he's chasing a laser pointer. Like. The Cheshire cat yeah. from Alice in Wonderland yeah. chasing a chasing the old uh, laser pointer yes. from the Mad Hatter. Um, well, the rabbit had to go down the hole and here we are. Yeah, you the know, rabbit went down there. He found the Cheshire cat chasing a laser pointer. Here we go. And who had a big, crazy, scary smile like the Cheshire cat? Mm-hmm. The fiend. Oh, you can't see. I, I don't want to move it. I'll knock it over. But I, it's back there. <laughs> I promise. Yeah. <laughs> Alexa's Alice. She was dressed up as Alice in the one. Here we go. Here we go. Panning over. There Boom. It there it is. See? Yeah. The other way. There you go. There you go. <laughs> this is difficult. Fucking cameras. You never tell. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. If you're listening on podcast, That's why I platform. always swivel the. I always swivel the wrong way to get yep. the words in. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm looking at it on this side. <laughs> yeah. So we're just idiots. Yeah, super excited. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and just because it doesn't have to be necessarily in chronological orders, we're kind of di- diving through it all. Uh, uh, they did show later on a little clip of the Bray stuff. He said some creepy shit. Um, I don't remember what it all was. And it was, I always find it strange and funny to me that they play the video of Bray and it's always like so garbled and so hard to understand. And then the next week they play it and it's so crisp and easy to hear. <laughs> and <I'm> like, <laughs> just do that. 
you know um but and i'm uh, done just on this the bray point specifically i'm done listening to other wrestling podcasts i used to listen to them all the time we we have a great community of wrestling fans that have podcasts and that's you know how we all met and everything but i'm done listening to all your guys's shows because if it's not the person hosting that's doing the digging they're reading some shit of someone else doing the digging mm-hmm. uh wwe trademarked uh uncle howdy or whatever the fuck it is so that's who this fucking hat character that said howdy is so that's bray's new gimmick and it's part of the Wyndham six shut the fuck up and watch man people are going way too far in the weeds because they want to figure this shit out let bray tell this fucking story i don't care what the character's name is because they will tell me if not next week the fucking week after the trademark one is the weirdest the weirdest one to me and i i mean that in in regards of like every single outlet that tries to report on trademarks is the weirdest shit to me even if you go back and like read up old newsletters and observers and shit not that i've gone through them all so quote me all you want but i don't recall him talking very much if ever about trademark stuff he would talk about rumors of things i believe they're gonna call this person that and i think this person might come in under this but uh most of the time it was an after the fact this guy showed up it looks like they're doing this uh, but they never were like, hey, this trademark happened, and so we think it's going to be this. Even when Doink first showed up, I was listening to old Arezzi podcast, you know, partner uh, on his show, uh, Pro Wrestling Spotlight. Check it out. Uh, and and Doink shows up, and he goes, they're simply calling this guy the clown. He goes, we know it to be Matt Bourne, who we've seen in the past, you know, and this character and that. And they're like, but they're simply calling him the clown. He goes, I wonder what that's going to look like. They didn't go, it seems like they've trademarked the name Doink. It, <laughs> the right. Doink the Clown. That's a so great I, clown name. <laughs> yeah, I believe we'll be getting Doink the Clown soon. It was, it was. They're calling him the Clown. This is who the performer is. If you liked him before, this is what they've done to him. You know, they they had a lot of negative to say about it, but it was there, and they weren't trying to be like, this is the trademark. The trademark one to me is the absolute weirdest, especially when you go down the rabbit hole of it all. And remember, they trademarked the one name for Gunther, and then they didn't use it. But for like a week and a half, it was all people were tweeting about was how this was a horrible thing and how it was terrible and how it was fucking racist and Nazis. And you're like, it was a trademark that happened that they never moved forward with. Like, so what kind of, you know what I mean? Like, was it a name that they didn't equate right away? Did they trademark it and then Google it and say, oh, well, we just won't use the full name. Like, there's so much innocent that could happen there. The, 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 the fact that they didn't move through with it is stupid. And then they wanted to get like two weeks worth of content of like, can you believe how dumb that department is that they didn't even Google it first? Right. right. Or how fast moving is at the department? They don't have time to Google everything. They get a name down, they write it down, they trademark it, and then they do their due diligence after the fact because trademarks don't happen overnight. I think they should trademark T-O-N-I-K-A-N-N. Yeah. Just to do it yeah just to do it don't use it just do it yeah why not they should start trademarking all sorts of weird shit fuck yeah why i would if i was sitting in there in the trademark office i would be like finding out hey can i have part of my budget to trademark things to just make people talk about nothing for a while yeah yeah that they should they should trademark wrestling's observers news letter that's what they should why not just put Z's at the end of each one. Trademark that shit and see what happens. 
There was a so jobber they used once that gave him the last name Meltzer, I think. I think it was Dan yeah, Meltzer or some shit that. like that. Yeah. yeah, it was so fucking funny. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, the trademark things are so stupid. But, yeah, so they do this video package later on. Got the, all the garble. And then, yeah, there's this side view that looks... From the angle we got, it looked a lot like the mask, but more prosthetic on a face look. Almost look like, like a... guy from Jeepers Creepers. The fuck? Jeepers Creepers. Never seen that horror movie, Jeepers Creepers? No, I've heard of it for sure. Let me look up images here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, maybe something closer to that. Uh, I mean, it looked a little less textured and a little smoother and a little more mustache-y. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I think that, I think we might be getting something closer to that uh, is what it looks like. but, But Sam Elliott. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> exactly. That but Sam Elliott. And yeah. then, yeah, and then he goes, howdy. Yeah. I don't know. I couldn't say without a shadow of a doubt, listening to the voice, that that definitively is a Bray Wyatt, Bray Wyatt character. I will say it's going to be involved with Bray Wyatt. That's not a doubt at all. But if we do fantasy book a little bit, and if you do say things like you said, where you're like, Bray never has to wrestle again. Why would I watch a wrestling show to have people wrestle? That's what you sound like. <laughs> uh, Am I wrong? No, not really. <laughs> but uh, you could bring back a Bo Dallas or a somebody yeah. to be a part of a larger group or even an Eric Rowan. You could bring back and have him do something with him and have it, you know, you can have Bray with minions who are doing a lot of the dirty work and maybe Bray wrestles four times a year. And the rest of the time you're having to get through all of his monsters who most people can't get through. You know what I mean? Yeah, I had I had fantasy booked the uh, the Royal Rumble that Triple H won as Bray Wyatt, Luke Harper, Eric Rowan, that the uh, Braun Strowman, the Wyatt family were like the of the last 10 left. Mm-hmm. And the three of them would eliminate everyone, and then they would walk over the ropes, and Bray Wyatt would sit in the middle, and win yeah. the title. Yeah, like that type of impact is what I thought that Bray had back then. Yeah. Um, and that's you know that's pre fiend shit right there. That's how strong his character work has always been. If they can build to some shit like that, and at Royal Rumble, Roman's forced to put one of the titles up in the Rumble. How awesome would that be? The Wyndham Six at the end, just sitting there, and Bray's like, "Now you walk out. Now you walk out. Now you." That'd be fucking amazing. So you're welcome, people. Fantasy booking. What if he even did it like a pastor style, where he just walks over to them and kind of pushes on their forehead, <laughs> and then they turn around and like each one of them individually, boom, boom, like he's blessing them on their way out, like. Right, and Bray, his first match would be the Royal Rumble. He comes in at thirty, doesn't touch anyone, and wins the fucking title. Yep, and just blesses his family members as he walks in, yep. and they just throw themselves out. Like I said, never has to wrestle. <laughs> yep. Tell your he, story. He can be more impactful by making you wait to begin with, you know? Uh, let's see, Usos and Sammy backstage again. Like, it's hard to, to kind of brush over some of that stuff because I know the problem is, is it's so fucking good and perfect, and it becomes like we talked for 40 minutes about how we just basically <laughs> recount the whole thing and, and talk about how great it was. <laughs> yeah but it yeah. feels like it's necessary to just kind of like brush it along because it's all like look without spending another 30 minutes here these guys are perfect it's look if, if you, okay so if someone's a passive fan right now if you turn on smackdown do it for the purpose of watching what happens with the bloodline yeah 
and it's because it hits. And it, if you spend enough time listening to the nonsense or understand why the handshake between Jimmy and Sammy is so ironically awesome, mm-hmm. you know, that's it's just not who Sammy is. Actually, speaking of the B team shirt, I went through the attic and I had a whole tote full of wrestling shirts. One of them is the underdog from the underground Sammy shirt. The the ska singing and dancing fun guy is not hip bloodline, you know, yelling yeet through a microphone, cool guy Sammy. It's a completely different person. You know, even the way he says my dog. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. My dog. You're the biggest number two, my dog. Right. So paying attention to why the character is that way. It's yeah, you you just got to go through it. So if yeah, that I guess that's our biggest point of the bloodline is that hey, if, watch SmackDown for that, and you'll see what what wrestling is when it's not in the ring. Yeah, and to be honest, the bloodline is some of my favorite television. I watch every week, just flat out end of end of story. Like I get the most fun, the most enjoyment. I feel the most connected. Like it's some of the best TV that's existing in my world right now just the bloodline uh live morgan versus sonia deville we got this new kind of uh we're getting a really close to harley quinn kind of essence out of live morgan which i say that with a ton of respect because when i first watched the margot robbie harley quinn my first thought was i wonder if she based this off of live morgan because I felt like the character seems so connected already to who Liv Morgan is and who's always teetered around being. And when you see Liv Morgan outside of the walls of SmackDown and Raw, when you see her in interviews and you see her do backstage things, she's much closer to the Margot Robbie Harley Quinn than she is to who she is in the ring most of the time. And so to see this kind of leaking over feels like an amped up version of Liv which also happens to coincide with a similar character in Harley Quinn, which allows her something evil to tap into as well, right? How do you turn yourself up to 11 and then add some? Well, me turned up to 11 is actually really close to this evil character over here, this maniacal character. If I tapped into that and added it to me, match made in heaven is what it feels like. She's got rid of the tears, but she has like almost little clown lines now that are a little jagged, which I'm digging that look. And this version of Liv seems to be laughing at pain. And I feel like we saw that transmorph happen during the Ronda match where she started to laugh at being in so much pain that she knew she was about to black out. Like, this is it. I'm I'm done, but I'm not out. Uh, but I'll see you later. You know what I mean? Like, she's instead of she's not no selling anything but she's selling it definitely in a different way half the stuff she's getting to a certain point where now there's so much pain that this is getting fun now pretty interesting yeah, we the had register an... yes. the register of pain is in laughter it's not in agony yes yes and that's not to say yeah. that, that can't happen you know like I mean look no, at Conor I mean, McGregor McGregor breaks spot, his leg yeah. and says give me a mic right. literally snapped right. a bone in half and said hand me a mic your wife's in right. my DMs fool and you're all like, that's how he's registering this right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's it's something that really drew me to to Stone Cold's podcast is how you like the the way he would break down how matches flowed. He talked about registering. 
It's not yes. necessarily selling. You have to let the audience know that you felt it. And then what did that feeling do to you is the selling. Do you feel the punch? Cool. Now, the way he would sell is that I used to say Stone Cold sells like a five-year-old throwing a tantrum, right? He would yeah. get hit in the face and then he would kick his feet off the ground like this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but it fucking hurt, right? And yeah. we all know what that's like where, you know, old school, you'd step on a Lego. Not today. Lego's a little softer, but like, you know, you, you bump your shit or, you know, you, you step on something. You're like, ah, you know. But anyway, um, I think Liv registering the pain as laughter and then her cell is the pass out uh, I do think is great but we 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 as fans have to recognize that that she's not no selling she's registering this fucking hurts oh this hurts and I love it yeah um, the only thing I hate about it is that the commentators keep saying Liv is getting more extreme hmm. she lost the extreme rules match she's not extreme we know that because we watched her be extreme or they're saying this is a more extreme version. We watch live at extreme and it doesn't work. So the fact that they keep using extreme is really bothering me. But we talked about this again on episode one, live away from the title and being a character for the audience is a more, you can gravitate to her more that way than you can with her talking about the title. Yeah. I think that the idea of losing an extreme rules match doesn't make you not extreme. It's also in this regard, it's her origin. She wasn't extreme enough to win there, but she's getting more extreme as she goes. Like she delved into extreme. I just extreme want to hear a different word. Lost. Yeah, I just want to hear a different word. That's all. It can it can honestly be an, an exact synonym for extreme. Just keep saying extreme. It's like come on. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's almost like they're gonna try and come out with an extreme live shirt, and you go, oh, that's right. why. Right. Yeah. Uh, it did uh, end in, in a double countout. What do you? I want to know what your 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 what you feel like Sonya's been in the ring. We saw her in NXT for a match. It hurts. It hurts. I, I was a huge Sonya fan during the pandemic. Unfortunate circumstances happened, and when she came back, her character work was amazing. But she was getting so much better without a fucking crowd during the the Thunderdome, or actually it was performance center because she wasn't in the Thunderdome. Mm -hmm. without the crowd she was doing awesome we they built to that hair versus hair match which turned into loser leaves town they built her and mandy built to that and and i still remember that because it was investable and she was performing great for some reason some reason her in ring is not it's not there and she's losing she gets... a bit of her character yep i think she's uh Confidence i think she gets really nervous sorry. yeah i think yeah. she gets real nervous in front of people because it feels like she second guesses her steps. Like she's trying too hard to remember stuff. Nothing seems to be coming natural. Yes. Yes. It's not that she can't. It's not that she, uh, you know, doesn't want to. It's that she's trying to remember instead of just doing. Yeah. And I feel like nothing comes easy for her. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I mean, John Cena will go on record and say that he had to work twice as hard as everyone else, not to be twice as better, but to be just as good. Like, uh, that it did not come easy for him or natural to him and every every movement was awkward and it took a long time for him to get to where it was smooth and it, I feel like that's what we're seeing with Sonya she has to work harder than everybody else to look a little clunky um, yeah I feel I feel a little a little bummed by it too because I think that there's she's I think she's got so much to provide uh, and it's just always a little off and you always you know what she's got so every time she comes out you go you know what 
this could be great and then you watch it and you right. just kind of go like why isn't this working and it's like at a certain point right. you just start saying it's the same same factor that's not working and yeah i think i think she's in her own head too much i think she should relax and i mean and, and at the same point what the fuck do i know nobody right uh, but, honestly I, I did tell you this though i loved her appearance and maybe lack of thinking when she was in nxt yes last not last week the week before yeah when she was with toxic attraction i go oh this can be something mm-hmm. this looks good yeah she looked but very then, comfortable there but then she had the match and the match was not great because she had the right. match with i believe it was alba fire and so right. it was all like yeah in those other moments she was like yeah i mean it's just it's just a, such a weird start and stop stutter kind of i deal. wonder i wonder if that's the case then that it, she's been pulled in so many different directions since the fuck i, I don't remember the exact moment but since she stopped being a figurehead mm-hmm. she hasn't had something consistent to latch on to i wonder if that's the case mm. yeah could be could be for yeah. sure but you know i'm wishing wishing her the best i think she's awesome and i want to see more and better uh let's see braun Strowman calls out almost to do a nose to chest standoff dude how fucking big is almost big like you always think he looks really big and they always put him against smaller people and then you see him against bobby and you go that's crazy man he makes bobby look small but in this one i was like oh my god <laughs> like yeah yeah to make braun Strowman look small that's and he that's did dude good. He yeah. made Braun Strowman yeah. look small. Yeah. And then he had a hard time pushing him, but they did it anyways, and it was what it was. And Yeah. I'm over the camera angles. I, I don't need you to put the camera at almost his feet to tell me that he's massive. Like, when he comes out and they got the camera shooting straight up, like, I'm, I'm good, you know? To be honest, I think it pulls away. The more I yeah. see that shot, the smaller I think that he actually is because I feel like it's compensating in a crazy way. Where I think that every time they do just a straight on shot and you see the people around him, you go, oh my God, he towers over them. But when you do the foot thing, you just go like, yeah, it's a, everyone looks like that when you have a camera like that. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. you know what I mean? I think that if they honestly shot him from the side or even honestly shot their actual angle instead of kneeling, if they just shot their actual angle a little bit tilted, you'd be like, man, they got to tilt their camera up to catch him in the shot. That's crazy. But when you're like laying on the ground doing it, it just looks so forced that you go, is he not that tall? And when I look, when I met him, I didn't think he was that tall. Almost. I wasn't impressed. Yeah. I, I wasn't impressed by his height as I, I saw him in the, the same hotel that I saw Seamus in and his height really didn't impress me. Like <clears throat> my old basketball coach is a great friend of mine to this day. He's six, five and he always makes me feel small and almost, he made me feel like just as small I know he's bigger than 6'5", but um, it just, I didn't feel like, fuck, man, god damn, he's huge. And not, not at all. Yeah. Um, but they, they're doing a good job now, showing us how big he is. I'll be honest, when I uh, ran into Braun Strowman in a hotel, I remember thinking just nonstop, I was like, god, that guy's fucking massive. <laughs> you know, like that dude's a fucking wall. Uh, well, yeah. to his credit, he's always shredding leaning out and finding new ways to reinvent his body so uh, who knows maybe you met someone that was twice as thick as he is now that's true too Uh, I think that this is a really cool visual and I have 
every bit of anticipation that this match will not be good. <laughs> I just can't imagine it's going to be good. Correct. Uh, Blue Boyd's in the chat. Who's the opposite of Gargano? Who was he? Almost. Oh, okay. Almost for sure. There's no doubt about it. Because <laughs> almost gets in the ring and you look at him and you go, God damn, he's so big. Every time Gargano gets in the ring, no matter who he's standing next to, you go, God, he's so small. You know? Yeah. Like, you're wowed in a whole other way. You know what I mean? Like, this is impressive. The other one's disappointing. Like, Gargano, they need to shoot from the ground up. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Gargano, they need to shoot. Yeah, just in full the pasture. Stop. <laughs> just, shoot, just shoot him into space. <laughs> Yeah, it, uh, yeah, and then we get a, uh, what's this, backstage? Oh, yeah, Drew McInfart had that little promo back there where he says he wants uh, Killer Cross in a steel cage match as he gets real fucking Wrestler 101 yelling like Ultimate Warrior, and we all know how good his promos were always regaled. He's trying so fucking hard, dude. Just relax, but, I mean, that's kind of his M.O., Yep. All right, what else? Yep. <laughs> I'm wondering if that match is like... Like, I like Cross so bad. Like, I like him a lot. I don't know if this is helping anybody. All right, so we got Damage Control versus Raquel Rodriguez and Shotzi for the Women's Tag Team Championship match. I'm trying to remember this match. I'm looking through it. I tell you what, I watched it twice and I still don't remember it. It's, I think we have a damage control oversaturation. You shut your mouth. Listen, (laughs) I'm not saying I don't enjoy them because every time I see them at the beginning, I'm like, it's Sonya style. It's not as bad, but it's Sonya style. You see damage control. Okay, here we go. This is what we got. What do we get? Wait a second. How can these three women be this talented and it feel like nothing's happening? Yeah. I also think that as much as people want to talk about how good Black and Gold was and how look at he's bringing all these NXT people back, I think one of the biggest handicaps we're seeing right now is Triple H putting Black and Gold talent with Black and Gold talent because it's let's run it through again and let's it's not a let's get better now. It's uh this f- feels constantly like sparring. It feels constantly like training. None of it looks like a match. Candice and Io were the worst about it last week in a disappointing fashion because of how good they both are. Literally, they were doing the kinds of motions you see in training where the people don't touch each other. They're just practice falling. And you're watching it going like, come on, like, what the fuck is this? But I think that putting Shotzi, Raquel, Io, and Dakota, I think putting them together is the problem because they are so comfortable together but they're not Seamus comfortable right Seamus gets comfortable with you and he's gonna knock your head off Brett and Sean were comfortable in the ring and uncomfortable backstage these are people who are comfortable with each other all the time and they don't know how to turn it up a notch yet so that's why you gotta put them in there with people yeah it's kinda like if if you have a buddy and you work with your buddy, I know this because I work with my buddy. Um, where's the line? Yeah, are we going to be buddies while we're working, or can we, hey, let's 
you know what, how about we don't talk, let's get through the work and then we'll talk afterwards because you, you stay too, too much on that plane that it was before you clocked in. So I can yeah. see what you're saying where now that they clock in and they're doing the job, you're still with your buddy and you're still being too much buddy as opposed to doing the job. Yeah. Yeah. I can yeah. see that. That's and it's I sacrificing think. on the, on the opponents, like mm -hmm. you were saying last week on episode one. And I think that happened this week too. Yeah. Yeah. It makes them look bad for no reason. Where I re I think realistically you put EO and Dakota in there with people who've been around for a while, like it or not be in there with a Dana Brooke, put Dana and Tamina out there. Let Tamina knock them and knock them on their ass and say, yeah, when you're in here, you got to fight back, buddy. You right. know what I mean? Like get them to toughen up. And so that way when EO and Dakota are in a sense where they can take on Tamina left and right, that when they get in there with Raquel, they're like, Hey Raquel, we, we work a little stiffer now out there because we want, we want everyone to see it, you know, like right. we're not playing anymore, right. but we'll take you out for drinks after, you know, like it right. just, it feels right. a lot like playing. You see a lot of playing out there. And I think that's a total bummer. And I think the problem is he's putting friends with each other too much. Put veterans in there too, you know? And why aren't we seeing Xia Lee? She kicked oh. someone's head off one time. Yeah. She I cried a little, it was rough. but yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I just don't get it. Honestly, I do think, and I don't know when this is going to end because I used to say it all the time in the Vince era, but I do think that there is this introductory phase that's been happening since SummerSlam. So it's only been about two, three months where this is everyone we want you to see. That's what I think this whole point of the faction stuff is anyway. But this is everyone we want you to see because in essence, what is damage control really doing except being on TV? You know, they're not really building much, especially with Bailey not getting the title uh, at Extreme Rules. So yeah. we're getting the exposure to damage control, but what is their accomplishment? What is happening besides being exposed? Uh, and what other challenges are coming towards damage control? It's it's not. So I just think there's a chance, and I, this isn't me sticking up, it's, it's trying to make sense of it. Is this more about exposure until they do hit the ground running on more stories? Mm -hmm. um, you know, because that's what's happening with Hit Row and Legato right now, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it does feel like exposure for exposure. I got to pee up here. Okay. Uh, we had Ronda Rousey doing a backstage interview saying she doesn't care about the fans. She didn't come back for them. She uh, doesn't want to win for them. And she was not going to do an open challenge, but she's probably doing an open challenge next week, it sounds like. So there's that. And I think Ronda did fine. And I don't really think there's much else to say there. Uh, we got Bray Wyatt's glitchy broadcast, which we talked about. Rey Mysterio versus Ludwig Kaiser was really good but there's part of me that still just wasn't I mean does every leader of a faction storyline have to be that oh you have a chance at my title so now you're going to go through all of my cronies and then get to me I just think that there's a certain point where we belittle the cronies too much you know what I mean like if every time someone's going to be going up against the head of a group they also beat the shit out of all their cronies one-on-one -on -one up there. Like, I guess to a point, it proves that they deserve the shot. But also to a point, it it disproves why the leader has them by his side. If that makes sense. I think that if you're going to stand by your guys and say, hey, these guys are, are the wall to get through, it should be more difficult. 
than it seems to be. You know well, that I mean? was one of the brilliant points about main event Jey Uso is yes. that you had a guy that can beat anyone in a singles capacity any given night. Yeah. And so, yeah, I agree that the devaluing who's beneath the leader does a disservice to the group, but I think it's so formulaic that looking at it that way is just not a natural concept, mm. but I agree. I agree. Um, it shouldn't be a final boss scenario. Uh, I would actually like to see it happen the other way, you know, lose and see yeah. what happens, you know, yeah. but take it. Then, then I'm sure we'll get to it, but are we, t- I think it was last week anyway. Um, Dominic beating AJ, right? The crony yeah. beats the leader. Um, but it's because it's heel versus face. So, you know, and it's not solo. It's two groups. Eh, I'm with you. Yeah. No, I mean, it's also not to discredit. It's fucking Rey Mysterio. It should be tough to beat Rey Mysterio more so than anybody else, right? Like, he's Rey Mysterio. So, I didn't think of it in that regard necessarily being like, really, Rey? It was just kind of like, ooh, we're going to just have Rey go through these guys. I'd almost think that you'd almost want to see Gunther be smarter than the formula and have Ludwig and Giovanni even tell Gunther, hey, we'll take him out and have Gunther just be like, no no guys do not underestimate Rey Mysterio you leave him for me like or you can look you won't win this but if you weaken him up like let them get disqualified early let them get disqualified to do the damage like we don't expect to win this like but for them to expect to win it I think is makes them look kind of dumb because it's also Rey Mysterio like what the fuck dude you should not expect to win it like who was that I think happened was it this week or last week Oh, it was on NXT. D'Angelo had a uh, uh, stacks go up against Shinsuke. And the whole point yeah. wasn't to win. It was just to survive it and not give up. Right. You know what I mean? And right. he even tells you, like, you did better than I expected. And you're like, great. Yeah. That's the story yeah. right there is that, like, no, no, yeah. no. I'm not putting up you against people I think you'll win. I'm putting up people who I know you'll lose to to see what you got in, your, in you, see your heart. You know, like, that's awesome. That's way, that's against the formula. It's amazing. Uh, then there was all the Logan Paul stuff at the end, which I liked, but there's not a lot to it. Jey Uso comes out, does his shit, gets rocked by Logan, and now it's like, did Sami Zayn not be able to control Jay and the bloodline carries on? i t- tell you what, just to quickly, it was a better end to SmackDown than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. To to think that that was going to close the show, I was like, oh, this is kind of a dud to go out on, but they, they did a good job at you know giving you more story, like you said. Yep. Yep. Um, let's see. We'll go into Raw. We'll just kind of skim through some of it. It did open up with Judgment Day against the OC, the OC original club, only club that matters. Uh, let's see. Judgment Day are in town. Step up or put down. Get put down. We get Finn Balor versus Carl Anderson. What was it? We got Dominic saying he's this generation's Eddie Guerrero. Just a little homage to his father. Mm-hmm. I loved that. I loved right. it because it was so easy. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, you want to want to watch? Uh, do you want to watch many, Twitter go crazy? Watch this. Yeah. How many how many people thought that he meant it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all I saw was people thinking that like these were his words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you see? Dommy <laughs> felt it in his gut. You could tell. Did oh right. Okay. He went off script. I swear he said that he meant this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, look at Dom going to business for himself. Okay. Right. Yeah, I saw it. Oh, my God. so good. 
<laughs> I loved it. As soon as he said it, I was all like, nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, piss him off. Oh. And then AJ was off his game with his promo, calling him this generation's James Ellsworth, but fumbling over his lines and shit. And then, of course, I said, I think it was on episode one, um, Ellsworth beat AJ three times, so that means that Dominic has two more wins coming. So AJ beat Ellsworth. I'm sorry, Ellsworth beat AJ three times. Yes. So that means that Dominic's going to beat AJ two more times if he's this generation's James Ellsworth. You can't Easily. talk shit if you got your facts wrong, you know? Uh-oh. And that was AJ's shit talk, is that, you know, Dominic is this generation's James Ellsworth. It's like, well, good for Dom, man. He's going to beat you two more times. Yeah, he's going to beat you, dude. I don't know, right. know this about James Ellsworth, but he beat you. <laughs> oh, no. But yeah, Carl Anderson versus Finn Balor I thought was good. I remember seeing Carl Anderson when he first showed up at a house show. I was like, this guy, Intercontinental Champion. Get him away from Luke Gallows. He's so fucking good. Um, yeah. But, you know. Yeah. Oh, and then uh, uh, Rhea scoop slams Luke Gallows in a tremendous spot. She shoves him into the post, grabs him, slams him. He sells the shit out of it. I'll even just talk about it now because there's no reason to like bounce back and forth entirely. But like when they went back there and he's all like, I'm really good with women. I'm the best one with women here. And they're like, what? No, you're not. And he's all like, look, he's like body slams are my love language. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Body slams are my love language. And then he comes back holding his crotch being like, okay, we got a problem. She doesn't like me. (laughs) Um, A little, a little insight into what wrestling is. Uh, IWC wrestling fan universe watch the replay of the body slam yes and look at Luke Gallo's right arm and how he's pushing off of Rhea's thigh to give her the support to allow it to happen that's what helping your partner is that's what the dance of wrestling is and it's not taking credit away from Rhea at all yes but wrestling is working together to create the moment so when you're watching your favorite wrestlers do their thing and they're waiting for their opponent to do the move to them without the assistance. And my, the one I hate the most is the Hurricane Rana where they Hurricane Rana and then the other one flips. It's like yep. you finish the move, now you flip. No, you're not working in unison to, to do these things. Uh, Gallo's posting off the leg like that and allowing Rhea to have the full opportunity to create the body slam, I thought was fucking awesome. I thought oh, it was so cool. And he did like the whole like um, like seal setup where he kind of goes back, yes. arches back a lot to make it look even more exaggerated and then tucked in real heavy to make it look even quicker. It was a lot of like, like look, you got to be strong to do it to begin with, but there's a certain level where it's all like, you don't got to be that strong to do it. Like look at the body right. slam that Sammy took by Wee Man. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, the same thing. Same exact thing. I, I think I called it out on that too. The same way. Sammy uses his bot or uses Wee Man's body to help Wee Man perform the body slam. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I kind of, I, I, God, can you imagine Sammy backstage and then you'll body slam me? I can't body slam you. You can body slam me. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. So cool. But yeah, Gallus played it off well. And that's something we're talking about again on episode one, that the Good Brothers working through a leader 
are tolerable. The two of them doing it by themselves, it's too much funny man, funny man without the straight man. Yes. They are yeah. perfect with the right group around them. They can be a bit much when they are the sole focus. Yeah. Uh, and by a bit much, I mean almost insufferable. I'm just kidding. Those guys are dope. <laughs> but, yeah. but still, there could be a lot of stuff that I did not watch all the way through. Yeah, but the, he's terrible with women. Like, it was yeah. awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. I love the body body slams are my love language. And then yeah. He, out, I was like, <laughs> he was so confident. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think at all that they are planting the seeds if for no other reason than the conversations they want podcasts like our idiots to have, um, that there's a possibility there's a build towards a war games match that is the first ever intergender world games match where they have Rhea and Beth in it? Because both of them could pull it off better than anyone. Um, then who comes in? for the other part of edge because you need a fourth man no you know you need another four you need a fourth man on oh or that? just beth beth comes in and does it beth comes in is like hey guys my husband's still out i got problems with these guys aj you know the deal good brothers nice to meet you let's go fucking do this i mean that's possible yeah yeah you were always good to my to my husband or whatever he always respected you you know, you could do that. That'd be you awesome. Ha- I mean, you could have Edge come back too, Edge and Beth together, and that'd be enough. Like, you know what I mean? But yeah, you could yeah. have Beth come in. Um, because you're saying otherwise, Judgment Day would need another person, or Edge would need another person. Uh, the the OC would need another person, right? Or is it because don't they have no? It's three and one. I think. Well, I mean, you got Dom. Uh, Dom, Finn, Damian, Damian. Finn, oh yeah, 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 yeah. And, so yeah, just so be you, Beth. Yeah, yeah. You're right. You're all right. you need yep, to do is add, yep, yep. add Beth. But yeah, no, my, yes, my first point was if it's Edge and Beth, because I didn't think Beth would come by herself, then, hmm. then um, Judgment Day would need one Judgment more. Judgment Day would have to add one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, you could, it's not impossible to add somebody to that group just almost willy nilly. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. because of the nature of that group, like you could bring in Dijak. Oh, great. He'd be amazing in Judgment great. Day. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I would do one. Yeah, the same way. Um, did you watch NXT last night? I have not yet. No. Okay. But yeah, a new a new schism member. Um, yeah, I saw the schism member come in. Okay, um, you did see and that. I saw yeah. there's like a little footage of I think Dijak's mask burning on fire, and I'm not sure where that was placed in the show. Uh, but yeah, we no more Mace, or not Mace, uh, T Bar. T Bar. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you can just do stuff like that, which I also thought was great because we kept trying to, you know, figure out who's this new woman, who's the woman. And I even said at one point, I think it's going to be the debut of somebody, but I have no idea who the fuck we're looking at. Um, and then, yeah, it was it was who it was. So we'll talk about yeah. more about more. I about saw that. so much uproar, and I'm like, they, they need – everyone needs practice. I don't give a fuck who they are. They need practice. They need to learn how to do this shit. <laughs> Plus, perfect. the schism is fucking dope, dude. Yeah. They're awesome. killing it. Uh, speaking of killing it, Ms. Gargano, Dexter <laughs> Loomis, our truths just killed the flow of the show for me. Oh, nice. <laughs> Went on way long. And they're really forcing Johnny Gargano like he's good at stuff. And I just, I just think he's insufferable. Uh, 
Anything you have to say it's about bad. any of the Ms. Gar Gargano stuff? Like, do it's you bad. find do you find Gargano even remotely funny? So you've ruined any chance of him being funny to me, uh, because now I see it kind of through your lens. But even if he has a line to deliver, it gets delivered in a way where it's not going to be funny. Yes, and he's going to repeat it so many times that you've heard it enough. Right. Because he's afraid right. of and, dead air. And the whole blow the whistle thing, he has an opportunity to make that funny, and he fucking garganos it. And it's it's Every just time. not... There, there's def, I'm going to blow it. I'm going to blow it. Like It's it's so bad. It's so stupid. It's so bad. Producer lady was watching with me, and she goes, why is the crowd chanting or cheering that he said he's going to blow the whistle? I was like, because they've been fucking bored for 10 minutes now, and it's the only chance they've had to interact. Because at right. this point, you've been watching horrible, boring shit, and then finally somebody on the mic turns to you and says, do you want me to do this? It didn't matter what they said or who said it. They were going to say, yes, do anything at all. Please, just do something. Blow the whistle. Right. We're tired of this stupid shit. The reason blowing the whistle would be awesome right now is because this can fucking go somewhere or stop. So, yeah, right. fucking blow the whistle. We don't. It's not that we love you and we want you to do whatever you want to do. It's we're fucking tired of this shit. Blow the whistle. Get it done with. And you know what it is? It's it's the new beach ball, right? Yes. Like beach balls used to happen even when great wrestling was happening. But now, mm -hmm. like the crowd chanting Dexter to eat the cake or Johnny to blow the whistle is that it's so fucking dull. They want something to happen. Yes. Not, not out of disrespect of something happening. Because I do think people are a little bit more engaged now to what is happening. Yes. Yes, I agree. Justin Times in the chat. What up to this dynamic duo? He says, cheers to Justin Times. Uh, let's see, Candice LeRae. Oh, her Kathy Kelly thing with damage control, I really liked. Uh, I did think it was very interesting when the way they cut the thing where uh, Bailey says, she's like, shut up, get out of here or something like that. And she shoves the camera down and so you don't see a beat down at all or anything. So it does lead to a lot of question marks. Did they beat her down? Did they not? Are they faking it? Is Candace going to join them? I think there's every possibility. And to be honest, I think that the Candace character could really use being part of a group because she does feel really aimless right now she is just this pixie and we don't know why and she's really good with no direction so i don't think i'd have any issue with her joining damage control other than how many people do you want in the one faction you know yeah i just don't see them doing that because they've given uh johnny and candace almost bray wyatt type latitude so yes yep yep uh, we had Matt Riddle backstage with Elias. Elias was uh, pissed at him, nearly smacks him with the guitar, but then Gable and Otis show up. I'm digging the Elias stuff, and I dig Chad Gable. I still just don't find Riddle funny, but I can recognize that what he's doing is working. It's good for Elias to not sit out there by himself. Yeah. Uh, I'll put it that way because uh, yeah I don't I don't think any of the real stuff's funny I do I mean if Elias had to carry everything without something to bounce off of then we'd be looking for him to bounce something off of so yeah yeah I'm happy he's back I like him I like him keeping the family name alive I like him talking about Zeke from time to time yeah he's so meta dude this whole character is so meta anti-IWC and it's fucking beautiful and they just 
eat it up exactly as they you would think they would. I love like how the, his real beard is so short that it looks yeah. fake. Yes, it's amazing. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And everything that they that they did cuz you knew they were trying to elicit certain emotions from the stupid crowd was exactly what you would expect. There was no rebelling. They fell for every single bit and it was amazing. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Even the rebrand. And then he'll yeah. come back as a baby face because he'll be back to the way that he was always supposed to be. And everyone's like, Aah. right. <laughs> oh my god. Which his um modified drift away now because it's not a crossroads looked awesome too. Yeah. Uh, we had Theory versus Mustafa Ali. I don't know why Theory just getting the shit kicked out of him all the time. Although he well, did win according here. To Justin, yeah, according hmm? to Justin Time, he's the Money in the Bank winner, so he has to get his ass kicked all the time. I know, and I think that there is something to it to a degree. There's a certain level of the guy has the, the briefcase because he's not supposed to be the champion. So it creates right. a big underdog moment. So when he cashes in, it's like, oh, my God, can you believe this loser's the champion? And that's the story they've told a bunch of times, right? They told it with Punk. They told it with Daniel Bryan. They told it with Edge. These guys are doing good, but not great. They're not ever going to be on that next level. And then they get on the next level, but then they hold down that next level. You know what I mean? So right. it's it's part of their go-to that I think they overdo sometimes, if I'm honest. But uh, I don't know, man. I'm having a hard time with Ali. What are you thinking? It's one note. Yeah. It's one note. Um, there's a chance that Seth Rollins can help him out, but Cody, Edge, Riddle were all better off at the end of the Seth Rollins feud. Mm. Cody, Edge, Riddle were also better. Mm-hmm. at the full complement of wrestling than Ali is. Yeah. Um, Ali can probably out-wrestle all three of them, you know, yeah. like move for move and, and you know, style for style. However, he's, he's fucking phenomenal, but I think the character work and the, the essence of who that person is, because even Riddle, when Riddle debuted to who he was by the time he touched Seth, it's a completely different person. Yes. He, he grew completely through it, and it really, when he got rid of most of the goofy towards the end of the RK bro run, he became basically who he was in the middle version of NXT. Yeah. That riddle plus his more refined skills. He's a way better, way better performer and so much easier to root for as a wrestler. Um, And that's what Ali needs to do. He needs to gravitate, gravitate towards some type of character that can build during the Seth Rollins feud. Yeah. That's a great point great point i do think that it's going to take what a little I do. bit of humbling because i feel like that that every every interview i ever heard him talk sounds very much like what is what is john cena going to teach me that i don't already know You're like um like that's kind of the attitude you hear from him yeah and so i think it's going to take a little bit of humbling which i don't think is uh, is hard to grasp i think that he could easily humble himself enough to learn and become next level and be what he believes he is and that he's capable of being for sure like you said bell to bell like you're right you probably out wrestle most most of the entire roster but you have to sit back and also acknowledge maybe there's something you're missing as opposed to just saying you're just not given the chance the only difference between me and you is they let you on tv whenever you want no there's other differences there's a reason they're let on tv every time they want you know what i mean you have to acknowledge that 
the only difference between me and you is that you're on a high level of greatness that I haven't achieved yet. And I can learn from you. That's the difference. You know what I mean? So hopefully I want to see him be amazing on the other side. Um, Gargano backstage with JBL. JBL just crushing him. Gargano came off like such a petulant little piece of shit. That was my takeaway. As soon as that whole thing I watched and I was like, I hope Corbin just beats the shit out of him. Like, what a fucking attitude this fucking good guy is having right now. It is a little... That's... <laughs> you're so right. And you do you do probably the best job at bringing this up. The, the nuance between how they're portrayed and how they're acting. You know, you yeah. were on it with Drew McIntyre from the beginning. You're a baby face. Okay, but why are you such a heel? And yeah. that's what Johnny's doing. He's he's being presented with fanfare, but he's an arrogant prick to everyone. Yep. And the thing is, character-wise, why is he that way? Yeah. When John Cena was that way, he was winning titles. And mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like this, this arrogance, he's barely winning matches. And finally, he got his fucking, you know, teeth knocked in. But I'm with you, man to for Johnny to be presented this way with literally a backstory of what two months now yeah not 20 years they you tell us he's been wrestling for 20 years sure what have we seen yeah especially and we look we're we're NXT guys right yeah but besides NXT what have I seen of Gargano nothing and what did I see in NXT I wasn't impressed so why yeah. would I be impressed now yeah absolutely um, I, and Corbin uh, changed his outfit without uh, leaning into the heat of the IWC, so that was a good move. We'll get there. We'll get there because I'm uh, right. I'm running through my list here. Um, I skipped all the almost stuff. I didn't pay any attention because it, it was just him against four local dudes, and I knew what that was going to be, and I just didn't care. Uh, not that it probably was bad. It probably was a great job on all people's parts. Um, but it was just. Just kind of doing other stuff and didn't feel like that that was something I was going to focus on. Miss anything? Nope. Was what it was. Mm-hmm. Elias vs. Gable. Badass. Loved it. Uh, Otis getting involved. Nice. Uh, Elias is so good, dude. And Chad Gable is so good. Here's two dudes of varying sizes, both pulling their own weight. That's going to come up later. <laughs> I think... I think Elias is an underrated athlete in the ring. Mm-hmm. Um, By a lot. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, one of but the I, I've always been, guys, a, I think. I've always been a fan. Yeah. I've always been a fan. So um, I, I, I just like watching him wrestle. So I'm cool with it. And Gable has become maybe Ziggler level solo performer right now. Elias? Like he he's no Gable. Oh Gable, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gable's, Gable, yeah. Gable. I think is is Ziggler level dependable, Ziggler level execution. Uh, as of late, Ziggler level character work. Uh, he's probably outperforming. Yeah. Um, but this Gable could really do anything and everything for himself and his opponent. I think it's awesome. Yeah, I think it's awesome. He's amazing. Every time he's coming out, the other thing, like he's so easy to underestimate. And he's so easy to underappreciate. And I'm not trying to right. say that in a bad way. But I'm saying every no, time he even perfect. comes out, you go, oh, this will be good. 
and every time halfway through the match you go god damn he is so good like well here's you your point. can't help but forget every time how good he is so the way you said it he's easy to underestimate he's easy to to overlook right mm-hmm. as this heel in this character you don't respect his wrestling because you don't respect him right yeah so at first you just don't like him don't want to see him when he was in american alpha did you ever underestimate his wrestling oh yeah no you know what i mean so like at this his you underestimating him the the you know the majority you underestimating him is a testament to his character work yeah because we never did before we always knew he could fucking wrestle american alpha is fucking legit those guys were awesome they were fucking amazing so yeah i think i think the underestimation is just a testament to his character work yeah i agree uh the oc thing happened we talked about jbl uh is in ring talks about we're getting bam- spot we're getting bot spammed right now <laughs> yeah girl so get girls. it uh jbl's in the ring and Wait, JBL should i again. fall for that let me go fall for that give me a second here i'm gonna go fall it. for that yeah, tell me how it goes. uh jbl's promo work is so high level that i think that people should be like really paying attention to this because this whole match he put over johnny gargano so much look this guy's tremendous at what he does he just was in single a baseball for so long you know what i mean like he was so minor league for so long he goes it's not a testament that's an indictment like the guy's clearly good so he also was putting over why baron corbin might be struggling with him in this moment but he was also saying at the end of the day he's not baron corbin corbin's going to come out on top right what corbin has an, a factor that gargano doesn't what is that is it superiority is it size is it just he's managed by jbl like there is a factor about baron corbin's not going to let him lose this match the other thing he does is when he trashes a town he does it in a clever way he doesn't just say your sports team sucks. Mine's cool. He doesn't just say you're fat and you're ugly. He uses a lot of ways to say those same things without saying them so corny. And a lot of heels. It was what I complained about with Edge when he was doing the heel work with Judgment Day. He goes, you guys are all just disappointed because you look in the mirror and you see yourself. And you go, all right. That was a really, really poor way to just say that you think we're ugly and fat and we get it. But for jbl the way he says it all is so nuanced that for a second you go like he just fucking she just call me fat (laughs) you know what i mean like it takes a second and i think that too many people take away the message and not the delivery when they're trying to emulate guys like jbl yep you are correct uh this match in and of itself was a massive testament to how amazing baron corbin is you could see Corbin having to readjust how he does everything because he's not used to wrestling with children. And I only <laughs> say that because he has kids who I think are larger than Johnny. But I am saying when Johnny stood next to Corbin, the size difference was so ridiculous that it looked like watching a father wrestle his son. And Corbin did everything he could to legitimize that. You could even see the way he was slamming him. So you use, you know, you got to hold up on the hip and the shoulder on a lot of stuff. Watching Corbin have to bring his arms in because the length of this guy was just so small and trying to overcompensate or undercompensate the weight because he's used to pushing off on three. He's used to fucking wrestling Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns. And now he's fighting a 5'5 
150 pounder. I know they say he's 195 when he comes out, and I laugh hysterically every time they do because I always forget the joke. And then they say it, and I laugh because I go, that's just not true. That is such a struggle. If you're going to tell me Finn Balor's 175, and you're going to tell me uh, Rey Mysterio's 180, and then you want Gargano to walk out there and tell me he's 195, fuck off. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But this match made to me made Corbin just that much more amazing. Gargano looked like an absolute fucking clown when he's putting on the fucking hat and dancing around as an arrogant prick asshole, not taking his own fucking job seriously. When he gets back in the ring, I loved. See, there was a moment there where I was watching, and I actually went, "Why are they making JBL look like a little bitch? Why are they letting Gargano bitch out JBL of all people?" At the end of it, it all kind of clicked for me. I went, "Oh." JBL's just that smart, right? Because JBL's watching this and he's aware of everything. My guy has to win this match. And if I punch this little pip squeak in the face and that referee who's counting sees me, that match is over. And he goes, So this guy's going to get his comeuppance in a minute. He waited for the moment when the ref had his back turned to cost Johnny the match, take his hat back, and be like, You don't fuck with us. You know what I mean? And then they just walked away. They didn't even lay it in afterwards, which I thought was great. For him to be like, we got our win. That's what we came to do. Teach you a lesson. Right. You know? I thought the JBL Baron stuff was amazing. No, absolutely. I, I think it's a, it's a diversion or a divert, I should say, from what we did, what we talked about last week, how the Garganos get to be on TV in the Gargano fashion. Yeah. So I was a little curious that they used Johnny for this. Um, but to your point, this wasn't a Johnny making Baron Corbin moment. This was a Baron Corbin kind of being a leader out there. Yeah. So, which yeah. I've always been a Corbin fan too. So, yeah. I'm cool with it. Yeah. He was very impressive in this to me. Uh, let's see. Bianca Belair backstage cut her promo. And she was saying that she didn't have any friends. And I feel because like they were all that's, taken out. Because they're all taken out. But I feel right. like that's a seed. I feel like that will she's come. She's got back. more coming. People are coming. Either returns from the injury list or returns from the uh, release list but I feel like there are friends coming I feel like every time they've said something we've pointed it out and that feels like a seed like I don't have any friends left oh hmm. you know what I mean this feels a lot like AJ and Finn where Finn's like you don't got no friends and I was like oh so the good brother's coming back um, <laughs> let's so. uh, let's look for let's look for the trademark list see yeah. uh see who's gonna come up uh let's go back and do some research on the release list so we can guess before we actually watch that makes sense i do think that the yeah. easy guess would be sasha naomi i do think that it's also safe to say that they're doing so much other stuff right now that it it looks like a complicated situation you know what i mean i don't think anything's a shoe in or anything's a slam dunk but i do think that a seed like that could pay off that way fantastically but doesn't have to either right uh the Gargano Miz thing in the back with the card was so fucking awful. Um, Brock Lesnar going to be back next week, which is cool. And then we get the main event. Bianca versus Bailey. These two work so fucking well together and always have. And every time they elevate it more and more. Better and better. So this was, Bailey's good like that. She is. The idea, I mean, Bailey can work into people's strengths so fucking well. And when you're Bianca, you already have so many strengths. You know what I mean? 
Oh yeah. yeah. Like working around really someone's weaknesses shine. to begin with. Yeah. And then if yeah. you're already comfortable with working around someone's weaknesses and then you get in there with like a Bianca, I feel like Bailey's got to be like a kid in a candy shop when she gets to wrestle Bianca. Like we could do so much. <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> and it's not even like the, like that we could do so much. There's so many moves we could do. There's so many flips we could do. It's just, there's so much story we could pull off, you know? Right. And there's so much excitement we can execute. Like, I think that's all there and it's awesome. Uh, the end of the match does come from uh, the return of Nikki Cross. They say Nikki Cross. She does a cross body. Hmm? Nikki cross body. Hmm? On to, uh, who was in the back there? It was Dakota, EO. And the referee. And the referee. That's who it was. Um, Which. Nikki runs in, beats the snot I out of I liked how that was executed. Yeah, I liked how that was executed. Um, I, upon replay, it was a little more obvious because I knew the crossbody was coming, but the referee is never in that particular spot. And I thought it was awesome. Yes, yes. To use the referee that way, Nikki goes in, beats the snot out of Bianca. Uh, then they're like, "Oh my God, what's going on?" Lays Bailey rolls over, gets the three count, wins the match, wins the title, new Raw Women's Champion. And then Nikki runs back in to beat the snot out of Bailey as well. Just so you know, this isn't an allegiance thing. This is a chaos thing. Nikki's back and she's here to give chaos. Nikki wants to play. She came to play and chew bubblegum and she's all out of bubblegum. It is spooky season. Um, spooky season. So Jessica Carr went, she came down, gave the pin. She went for the belt. They didn't give her the belt. They allowed the Nikki stuff to happen. Yeah. And Bailey wasn't announced as the new champion. They went off of TV. Is Bailey the new champion? Yes. The count happened. Just cars never wrong. But it wasn't announced and it wasn't on TV. I thought it was on their WWE.com uh, Twitter. Did they not say and new at any point? Well, I didn't follow Twitter, but I'm just curious because the TV version didn't have that happen. Um, but I'm here for it, if that's the case. What the fuck? But yeah, Nikki being back is awesome. Uh, all of you do drop haters might be able to get what you've been waiting for for so long is be able to watch Dewdrop without calling her Dewdrop. I can't imagine anything else would change if her name comes back, that she would still wrestle the same way and be presented the same way and as good as she always was. You just don't complain about her name anymore, so you have to find something else to complain about. Um, that's true, especially because uh, Dewdrop has gone on record before and said that she wishes that she could be called uh, Piper the Viper. And if you have a crazy Nikki, you could have crazy Nikki with Piper the Viper, no problem. Yeah. Well, I'm scrolling through their thing right now. Uh, to see if they announced it there because I could have sworn but now you mentioned it they may not have I do think that it would be kind of I think it would be kind of ridiculous to try and pull off like hey the count happened the referee was out there was interference behind the ref's back but the count happened we're not going to acknowledge it anyways like I think that'd be a little that'd be kind of a stretch I also don't remember the graphic necessarily saying that it was for the women's title um, they've been saying it but you are 
Yeah, you are a daily mark, so you would know. She did say, where's Candace and where's Nikki? She being daily. Bring up the end of Raw. Nikki says, it's my galaxy now, which is fantastic. Let's see here. Let's see. Crown Jewel. I wonder if they try to pull off a thing where she's back, look, you return, Bailey, take out Bailey. Because Bailey did start to put her hands up. I won. Vintage Bailey. Oh, there was no and new graphic at the end of it. And even the graphic beforehand just says Bailey versus not with the title. Which just means they're going to run it back again for the title. Probably, right? Is that what they do at Crown Jewel? Yeah, I guess so. Which is also a bummer because that was the whole promo last week was I want your title and I'm going to take it next week on Raw. You know? Yeah. So if they did just kind of like re Uno reverse that. Right. Yeah, and even here, WWE puts how will Bailey fare against Raw Women's Champion Bianca tomorrow night? Uh, champion may have thought uh, damage control. Let's see, I'm pulling up the WWE.com thing as they do. We'll go one on one with EST once more with Retribution on mind as well. Oh, damn it. Um, perhaps another chance. Wait, with Retribution on her mind as well as perhaps another chance at the Raw Women's Championship. So if she wins, she gets the title shot. That's shit. what it sounds like. That's yeah. They, even they the hashtag it. for the match, the hashtag for the match was Bianca versus Bailey, not Raw Women's Championship or Raw Women's Title. All right, so they duped me. Those sons of bitches. That's how invested you are, bro. So stupid. So stupid. I hate this. I'm wrapping it up. You just We're want not. Bailey to be champion. Just be champion already. <laughs> Nikki being back though is really fucking cool. I'm excited yes. she's back. I think that's gonna be really good. Um uh, the the Nikki play thing. That's something I still play for people sometimes when they're all like, Oh, you know, you want dressing this and that. You know, I'm always like I'll pull up the Becky doing an open challenge and Nikki showing up from NXT. Hey Becky Wanna play? I'll play with you, Becky. It's so fucking creepy, dude. That's my Halloween yeah. season. I watch Nikki's promos. Let's do it. She's the best. Yeah. She's amazing. Um, what are Match the chances? Go ahead. What are the chances? Because I was using the restroom, a.k.a. the utility sink in my basement, uh, when you brought up Rhonda. What are the chances that we're all extremely disappointed at the open challenge? Yeah. It's going to have to be. Right. Yeah, I don't think they could do anything that would work unless you had, like, a Nikki show up and actually win out of nowhere because she was vicious as fuck and everyone said, what the hell just happened? Like, that could but be Nikki already, cool. Yeah, but Nikki already happened. So there's only, you know, like, two or three more people left. Right, but, but you can play Nikki back just because she's here. What the fuck is she doing? She went after Bianca. She went after Bailey. Who's she uh, aligns to? Is she raw? You know what I mean? Like, if she were to right. also then show up on SmackDown a few days later and then take the SmackDown Women's Champion, it's like, what is Nikki doing? You know what I mean? She could seem more unhinged right, if she showed up awesome. and answered. Yeah. Right. You know? 
So I think you could pull it off where it would be crazy and awesome and she's insane and she even if she loses that match, if she loses it because of disqualification because she's just going fucking rabid, like what is Nikki doing? Is she she's impacting all these championships and doesn't even want one? Like this is just right. chaos. You well, know? That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. Yeah. yeah. They're like, this is insanity. And then you can have a, a oh, wild yeah, ass right. Nikki who doesn't seem to have any allegiance or method, just pure chaos. And anytime you see or hear her, you just go, oh my God, what's happening? Total wild card. Wild card, bitches. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I tell you, it's. It's the most dense WWE roster we've had in a long time, and we're seeing a lot of people all the time. And I think yeah. it's pretty good. It's without awesome. without feeling clustered. Yeah. You know? And none of the factions feel like factions for no reasons. Right. Because I saw because uh, I think it was Splinter Fox gave me a lot of shit on Thursday where I was like, Yep, you can build another faction here. This person can do another faction and goes, Didn't you complain when AEW had all the factions? I was like, Yeah, because it was factions for no reasons. None of them went anywhere. None of them made sense why they were even together. It was just just put these five people together, have them go out there every week and seemingly be split off. And it was just chaos the way it was booked. Yeah. I mean, the inner circle had a tag team who never wrestled, uh, a bodyguard who never bodyguarded. Yeah. You know, and like three other guys who yeah. didn't fucking do anything. But if we're they on like did the fourth iteration of it, like, yeah. if they did something, you know, a la the bloodline. They have five members. One is a double champ. Two of them are six members. Two are double champs as well. Five members. I can't, I don't know. There's, yeah, Here's the deal with Sammy Bloodline. Solo, but like, the thing with those stories. other ones, none of them made sense on why they're together. Like, okay, why is this person here? Well, it's because right. they made sense on why how Sami Zayn became part of the Bloodline. Sami Zayn right. joined a family who are together because of their blood, named off after their own background, named after the fact that they are bonded by blood, and they made sense on how Sami Zayn could join that family. They made it make sense. They didn't just put him there for no reason because we, we want to get him on TV. Right. You know what I mean? Perfect. And that's the big difference. Perfect explanation. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, that's exactly um, what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet. If you can put Sami Zayn in the bloodline and make sense of it, I have a lot more faith in your ability to uh, add someone to Judgment Day with it making sense. So <laughs> you know? maybe that's why Bray Wyatt came back is because they saw that they made sense of Sami Zayn joining the bloodline. And they're yeah. like, you know what? If they can make this see-through pale Canadian guy join a incredibly thick-blooded uh, Samoan family make sense? They can handle my character. Yeah. Boy, howdy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm excited to have the return of Nikki Cross. Let's play. Let's do it. Um, anything else you wanted to throw out there at all? No, I think... Um... I think everyone needs to sit back and relax again, man. Again, I'm done listening to podcasts until probably until Bray Wyatt wrestles. Cause if everyone's going to keep speculating what the next character or iteration or promo means and all that stuff, it's just not as fun, man. 
like watch and see what he wants us to know yeah see us you know like whatever the howdy thing is i'd much rather say oh man what is this fucking howdy thing instead of oh well they trademarked uncle howdy to be a howdy uncle so this is going to be what uncle howdy is uh, shut the fuck up and watch like it's it's too much man you know I'll tell you so this much. breaking spoilers is not nearly as fun as wildly speculating and becoming right correct like we talked about good correct. brothers two weeks before anyone said it looks like the good brothers signed with wwe i said i bet you those good brothers are on the way back because of what i'm watching on the show right because the show led me to want it and then the dirt sheets the day of were like, uh, we think that they're going to show up right now. Are, do you? Because I thought that a week and a half ago when they said it on TV that led me to believe it. So it's either you guys don't watch and don't pay attention and have no <laughs> reason to speculate or you just wait till it's already obvious and then go breaking news, you know? So like, yeah, the trademark stuff. I like talking about what I'm watching. I like having the conversation of spy- wildly speculating, making up our own rumors and then being right just as often as the people with the inside knowledge. Yeah, I mean, that's like what I just said about Dewdrop. Like, if she comes back as Piper Niven or Piper the Viper or anything like that, it's not a wild guess to have that guess. But if you look at the presentation of what happened with Nikki Cross and having the name Nikki Cross back, you can speculate, hey, the possibility of getting the Dewdrop that all of us wanted in the beginning is here now. So when she shows up, fucking awesome. Now, that's where it ends with me. I'm not looking the entire scope of the internet to see if i'm right i'll just be right yeah because i said it before it happened you know what part uh led me to to think very similarly is that when nikki came back she was wearing the studded jacket that's the one that piper gave her that when they were teaming and she's like get rid of the cape let me give you this we're gonna go take the world world by storm you know that was like the last iteration we saw of character development outside of Nikki having a breakdown because she was almost a superhero. Well, I think almost a superhero was never quite good enough. So she's going to be something different than a superhero. And yeah, this could be really cool. And there's already a connection to Dewdrop That's not just like, well, let's just drop Dewdrop and move on. You know what I mean? It's, and she's wearing that jacket. I mean, and it could be nothing, but it's also a connection that could be made. Yeah. It could be everything. Yeah. Yeah. But no, that's else? it. I'm good. You ready for the last call? Uh, you want yeah, to put over it, anything? Uh, just myself at TV Takes Podcast, uh, Terrible Wrestling Takes Podcast on all platforms. Uh, B team, B team, go, go, go. Uh, love this shirt. So if you're ever looking for a shirt that you may have had, it might be in your attic. Does it say something on the back? It does. Uh, it says, oh, we're the B team and the B stands for best. Some shit like that. Yeah, God. I hated that. Would you like to see it in bad. full? No, I you don't like the gimmick. The B stands for best. Yeah, I hated it, man. I hated it. <laughs> I also didn't when... know how much I I liked the idea of accidental champions having an accidental reign because they never won on purpose. It was always, which was kind of funny in a way, but at the same time, you want to talk about people thinking the tag team division's weak. Try having a tag team win by accident through the championship reign they have the entire time. You know what I mean? Then it starts to really look weak. I would say that they didn't win on purpose, but I don't think it was an accident. I don't, they didn't stumble into victories, you know, backwards into a few. They always were surprised by their own wins. Right. (laughs) Right. But it was never by like, 
the opponents looking weaker it's like oh shit we actually did this so i i don't know i yeah. i always i was always entertained by it but when i went online to get it um of course it was during the clearance thing and all they had left was 3x and i'm usually at two i was like you know what i'll dry this thing a hundred fucking times if i have to i need to shrink the fuck out of it i'm wearing this oh it's not shrunk yet fuck it i'll just wear it around the house or wear it to bed i don't care yeah but uh yeah i have a couple shirts that are it. way too big that i wear around the house just because the shirt's just too fucking good yeah, yeah, I just love it. <laughs> the fact, I mean, they were drawing this on the stage, and then they turned Sharpie marks into a fucking print. <laughs> yeah, that's the one Sammy shirt I regret not getting. Was oh, the, the I am Sammy Zane yeah. that Big E drew? <laughs> yeah, so good. It was so funny. <laughs> I kept thinking I was going to catch it, and I was going to catch it, and then one day it was just gone, and I was all like, "All right." But I do have like a dozen other Sammy shirts, so it's not like. I can't support the guy. It's just that's the one where I was like, all right, well, that one got away. Do you have um, the underdog from the underground one? What color is it? It's green from NXT. I don't think I have the green one because I have one that says that, but it says it on the back, the front's black, and it's him dancing. I don't have the green one. But I have, a, I have a, a figure of Sammy where he's wearing it, I do believe. Um, that, and I almost got the in, in Zane shirt that they released back then too which i thought was pretty cool oh yeah it says it on the back underdog from the underground but this is the uh i don't know if it'll work because it's green but it's mm. yeah it's him dancing on the front i'm pretty sure and i don't have that one but i'll go double check i'll go double check that's sick though i have the bailey can i get a hug shirt from nxt nice yeah uh but nice Guys, we're going to be back tomorrow night with Miss Amanda Jane no, talking not. some AEW NXT. <laughs> uh, for me, ways you can support me in the show, wrestlingontherocks.com slash shop. Pick up some merch, some pint glasses, shirts, stickers, all sorts of things. Uh, I'm also working with John Arezzi over at Pro Wrestling Spotlight, so give them a check. Uh, go over to youtube.com slash Pro Wrestling Spotlight and watch the new video podcast that I have. Uh, I have a lot of... Um, I'm doing all the editing over there, man. So it's a, it's a big project that I'm having a lot of fun with. Uh, and keep your eyes open. Uh, paving the way with Medusa. She is on twitch.tv slash Medusa underscore rocks. Uh, YouTube slash Medusa rocks as well. I believe there's also an underscore there, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, starting in November, I'm going to be co-host on her podcast as well. We've already done filming for the first four episodes. Uh, one's a two-parter, so I might end up having five episodes next month. So we'll see. But give that a check. Paving the way with Medusa, Pro Wrestling Spotlight with John Arezzi. And we are at WOTR The Show with at Ref Marsh. And this is Last Call. Cheers. Continue to support us or buy us a drink by following and putting the I in subscribe on Twitch. Or subscribe and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. Cheers! I would never have a drink with wrestling on the rocks.